everyone, Dave and Jeff, another podcast. This time on Easter Sunday, April Fools on a Sunday night. We have a special, special guest, though, tonight. Really looking forward to the show. I think a lot of people thought we were joking around. I, I think they did. I thought they... Uh, Darren Smith is here, which is great. Darren, nice to see you. Thanks, fellas. This is for Kevin Charity, right? <laughs> yeah. That was like the, like the weirdest thing. Like, uh, we've, we've all known each other a long time, and I, uh, you know, you've said to me a couple of times... Hey, when am I coming down in a conversation yeah. this week? And I'm like, Sunday night. You're like, here I am. So uh, good to see you, brother. Hey, Has there ever thanks. been, uh, I'll ask both of you guys yeah. this. We've all spent a lot of time in San Diego sports radio. For me personally, I find what is going on locally as fun, as enjoyable, as interesting as anything that we've been involved with, Darren, you agree, or is there a different time, different place uh, that you would say, "Nah, that's probably more what I lean to." Well, what's going on locally? I think what we have seen—I <laughs> haven't been paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I think you have been paying attention. What we've seen me in. between the machine, yeah, ten ninety, and Dave and I, just because we like to, have jumped in and been a part of it, and now we are on. T- Team 1090 because of all our friendships. I find this enjoyable. We've never had this in San Diego where personalities are, are kind of messing around, and, and I, I like it. Do you find it enjoyable? Do you find it bothersome? Uh, I find it mostly enjoyable. I mean, I think it's, it's, been, I think it's been great for the 1090 guys internally just because it's been galvanizing, you know, and that's something you guys have both worked in the building and it hasn't always been that way. There's been a lot of, and there always should be some inner show competition, right? Like sure. Everybody should strive to have the best ratings yeah. on the show, to get the best guests, you know, to have the most kick-ass show, to have people say the nicest things about you. But it, it feels like for the first time in a while, like it's not just all of us, a bunch of individuals doing individual shows. It feels like, and, and I think this is a large, a large part of this is bringing in Steve Woods. That we we all find ourselves, I think, rooting much more for each other. Yeah, having each other's backs. This is something we've all talked about. The three of us have talked about. Like, who has your back in this business? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard Jeff say this a million times. Who has your back in this business? And I, I I couldn't sit here and tell you that it's always felt that way internally at 1090, but it feels that way now. It feels yeah. that way mostly because of the stuff that's happening with the, with the machine. Yeah. But you know, I, I, it's, it's been a while I, since I felt that. And I've been there for 14, 15 years, so almost since day one. So, um, you know, at, at times, you know, it just hasn't always – the camaraderie really hasn't been there. Now yeah. it seems like we're all willing not, not only to support each other, promote each other, but also have each other's backs. You know, it's funny is I've always been – having played sports, having coached sports, I've always been a big team guy, a big loyal guy. That's why Jeff and I have such a good relationship. We know that we treat each other like brothers. We're not going to let someone trash the other one. We're a rare team that gets along off there. And so when I got into sports radio at first, back in the 690 days, in the early 90s, I was shocked to hear that everybody hated each other. Right. I was really surprised, really. The Cannons hated Hacksaw, and people hated Mason, and, and uh, Rick Schwartz, or John Ireland at the time. And this is even before you came to San Diego. But I was like, wait a second. It's the same powerful lineup. I'm very surprised to see that happen. 
when things erupted last week, I love to see that you pushed back because that's something you haven't done and you haven't even had to do. You've always dominated in the market. You've been here a long time and there's really been zero competition. Everywhere you've been, whether you were late afternoons or your middays, you just killed in that market. No matter what station we're at, we'd get called in and we'd go through the numbers and go, well, Darren Smith owns this, so <laughs> we aren't even going to put a local show against him. But I love to see that you pushed back. I love, I'll be honest with you, your relationship with Scott Kaplan seems like it has changed from what it was in 2012 from when we were in the building. We weren't in the building with Scott, but there was never any talk from you. We talked to you every single day about how much Scott and BR mean to you as friends, didn't know good or bad. But you can tell now everybody has each other's backs in that building. And as you mentioned, Stevie Woods is, is a great guy to have on the team. Yeah. You know, and when you guys worked in our building, I'll tell you, um, I don't know that I ever said this to either one of you, but like, I, was, I was disappointed to hear after you guys left, you know. And I don't remember what the exact circumstances were, but I was disappointed to hear that you guys felt like, you know, that camaraderie wasn't there at the time or like, you know, that we all, I, I remember I was driving and this is one of the rare times. This is like the only place I'll ever admit that I listen and check in every once in a while with what's happening around the radio dial. But yeah. I remember hearing you, I think you were on extra at the time, right? Like, it wasn't mm -hmm. that long after. You're like, man, I, I, there's not a person in that building I would go out and have a beer with or something like that, you know, about oh, the 1090 crew. Yeah. And, you know, again, like it didn't end well, but like, I, I remember thinking about how, and I almost texted you. Like I actually pulled my phone. Out. I was almost yeah. going to text you as you were on the air at 1360 and be like, what? Like, how could you? But then I realized, you know what? You know, maybe, you know, maybe there was something about that time in that building that we all, that I personally could have learned from, right? Like that I oh. could have been a better colleague and instead of being pissed off about it, yeah. you know, instead of making it worse, you know, and saying, Hey, what do, what the fuck was that? You know, why would you say that? Like, I, I was like, wow, you know, I, I'm really going to, like, I always thought about that. Like yeah. how I felt driving on the, I remember where I was, I was on the eight driving home from Iowa meat farms. Yeah. Like I heard you say, I was just like, gosh, I felt so shitty about like, how you know we could have been better internally and maybe that would have made a difference with you guys maybe that would have made a difference for us as a radio station at that time like i'll, I'll never forget that line now it hadn't been all smooth since you know yeah. because then scott comes back and scott and br come back since and you know things got pretty rocky between all of us for a period of time you know and you still have your your flare-ups of course you're always going to got a bunch of alphas right yeah but um yeah, it's it, it's you know it, it's the way it should be. Like it really is the way it should be. I just hope it continues. You know, I just I, I hope it does. And it, I've been really flattered just by the way Scott has done entire twenty minute segments on what happened with me and Sills and and Woods has jumped right into that. Yeah, you know, and and it, you know it's it's flattering actually. Yeah. It really is because I never would ask or expect anybody to go ahead and do that sort of stuff. I would never, ever say, hey, do me a favor. Can you go chronicle everything that went down on Twitter on a Friday night? Hey, uh, can you come up with a character called Lil Sweatpants? <laughs> I, I would never expect anybody to do that. I would never ask anybody yeah. to do that. So uh, in a way, it's flattering, but I think it's also going to be really, really good for all of us. You know, Hopefully that it, it sustains itself more than one news cycle. You know, it's funny, and, and I, that's funny you said that about 2012, and, I, and I'll clarify where I was at. Uh, uh, we've talked about it, but with you here, I don't know that I've ever gone through the, the time frame with this. I had just left Dan Henderson, so I was pretty much out of a job. They call us in to 1090, and Dave and I go into this meeting. It's a Friday. You guys are all in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl. 
and we meet with the management, and what they are telling us at that point is Hacksaw was going to be out, and we were going to be the bridge show between Scott and BR and you. Uh, six to ten, then me and Dave ten to two, and then you, I think, were two to six at that time. And Dave and I loved it. We loved the idea of being between two iconic 1090 shows, figured get introduced to a new audience, here we go, and we walked out of there feeling incredibly good about the future. And everything changed the following Monday when the guy who ran that place flew in. And he flies in, and he takes us to the Marriott in Del Mar for lunch, and he says to me and Dave, you know, when, when are you guys going to be ready to go? I was sick as shit. I remember I barely had a voice. I was yeah. so sick. And we go, and we're thinking like a month. And everything, Scott had done a lot, I think you had done a lot to promote us to management. And that meant a lot to us as a show. And so we said, uh, well, you know, whenever, we'll be ready to go, thinking it was going to be like a month. And he goes, uh, I need you to go Wednesday. I'm, I'm firing Scott Kaplan. And now I'm This like, is Larry Patrick. Yeah. Larry yeah. Patrick. Yeah. Yep. And so now. He said, right after I leave here, I'm firing <laughs> Scott. Which he did. Which he did. But then they came in. And they said, every bit that you've done, the F you of the day, everything else, you can't do any of it. Which I would believe Kevin Klein probably is getting a very similar discussion from intercom management. They gelded us right on the spot. So now you have to go in, and it has got to be like Donnie and Marie radio. And it was shit. I felt like shit. I felt like we'd fuck Scott even though he was probably fired anyways, but I felt like we fucked him because, uh, and I felt like our show sucked because we couldn't do anything. And every day, two fucking guys that knew nothing about running a talk show are fucking telling us every day how to do a talk show. So I hated it. Now all of a sudden we kind of hit our rhythm and our stride, the whole deal, and, and we fast forward up to December when Fox Sports San Diego says, hey, we're going to broadcast your show. We talked about this. And then the new guy, Norm Foyer, who in a, one of my favorite radio moments is introduced Darren and shared the conversations. Norm Foyer comes in to 1090 to be what is now Mike Glickenhaus's role. I will get back to my part of the story, but this, <laughs> I swear, I love this so much. Tell me about your meeting with Norm Foyer. Well, he, he can you do the voice? He had this very. He looked like old, Buddy Hackett. Right. He did he's, look like Buddy Hackett. He's a perfect like two sandwiches from a perfect square, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's short and he's squatted. He's got no neck and he's got a voice like this and he's <laughs> yeah. norm for you. And everybody had to meet with him. Everybody in the company had to go meet with this guy. Everybody from on air doesn't matter who the fuck you are. If you front desk. Kiss the on ring. Air. Yeah. Everybody had to go in right. at one point. You had to sign up. You had to, there was this, remember the, yes. yeah. <laughs> there was a sign-up sheet on the door. You had to pick a time. Like, and you had 10 minutes, 10-minute window, so don't be late. And you would walk in, and you'd sit down in front of this guy. And I don't know if this is the way it went with you remember guys. Remember, he had oh, the yeah, le- electric door. You had electric that door. door. Right, yeah, the Matt Lauer door. <laughs> and it's still there, by the way. That's Glicks now. And he looked, and he goes, what do you do? What do you do here? Just like that. Darren. Jesus. Darren. Did he do that to you? He had no clue. He's like, Nobody. oh. I was like, well, I'd do the uh, afternoons, whatever the time was, yeah. three to six or two to six or whatever. 
I said, uh, I'm on the air. And how long have you been here? You know, and he just, Jesus. and he just, <laughs> no idea. And I assume he did that with everybody, every single person in the building, you know, and for somebody who's on the air, not that I have any right to have any ego that's, that's uh, of any size whatsoever. But you're sort of like, what? I've been here 10 years or yeah, whatever you've been, been there been at that here point. been for, here for a significant period of time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and so, you know, then he said, well, what would make this place better? Give me, give me the top three things that would make this place better. I mean, yeah, what do you say? You know, I think I said something cliche about, well, more camaraderie. Or, you know, have a happy hour every once yeah. in a while. Take us all out to rock bottom or something. <laughs> and, uh, and then you left and you just didn't know. <laughs> would he get this, this file confused with the sales guy's <laughs> file or the promo guy file and be like, see in the hall and be like, hey, you're the, the promo, you know. It was that well, lost on the whole building. I was getting away with you. Well, I was getting. I knew I was dead because I was getting ready to go in, and you're coming out. I go, how'd it go? And he go, you go, fucking guy just asked me what I do here. I'm like, <laughs> I go, shit. If he doesn't know you, he's gonna have no clue who I am. But uh, we've gone through this. But I'll, I'll just say it again because you're here. We signed the deal with Fox Sports San Diego, and they're going to film the show. And, and Jeff Bile was great from Fox Sports San Diego. Every night, Dick Enberg is going to say, coming up tomorrow on Dave and Jeff, uh, Darren Smith, right? Marty Caswell. I mean, just promoting the guest. And uh, that's a Tuesday. And on Friday, uh, Dave's out. Uh, Rosie's out. Sherrod's out. Rome's coming in. Scott and BR are coming back. And I get a call. I get a call at home um, saying that Dave's out and everything else. And I thought they were going to go um, because there had been, from what I'd heard, conflict between Marty and, and the shows. I thought they were putting you in the morning. I thought you and I were in the morning. And Dave knows this. I've said to Dave, if they had said, um, we're going to put Darren in the morning and Marty's going to produce it, it's going to be Darren and Jeff. Shit, man, I had five-year-old twin boys. They were in kindergarten. I wouldn't have gone anywhere. Um, I would have stayed there. There's a part of me that thinks we, you and I would probably still be the morning show there. Um, but then they started the hacksaw thing and everything else that went through, and that's when I quit. And that's, like I've always said to Dave, I go, there's, there's no bigger, bigger misconception than I fell on my sword for Dave. In a lot of situations, I would. But had they said... It's going to be Darren and Jeff and Marty producing, and we're leading into Rome and whatever they would have done into Scott and BR. I go, shit, that's going to be pretty fun. Um, so my frustration, whatever you heard, was clearly not directed at you or Caswell. It was directed at a management team that told me every day for 10 months how much they hated Lee. And then on this Friday, when we watched the Fox Sports San Diego deal go up in smoke and tell me, God, we're really intrigued by the energy between you and Saw. And that's where you're like, shit, man, I don't... No, I would go... <laughs> Let me just be real clear. Because that's funny. I, I, Kaplan, I would go with beers with just to hear his business plans. Because yeah. his business plans are fantastic. He's going to pitch you on something. Uh, but, it's, <laughs> but I would go... Billy Ray, I would go just to watch the pinky do his pinky move. <laughs> Haven't seen that enough. Yeah. Stevie Woods I would go with. Darren I would go with. Uh, but you know who I love in that building? The guys who I really love, the guys who can tell their stories are the behind-the-scenes dudes. The Padillas, the Adam Clarks, the Teddy Mendenhalls, the Jordan Caruse, the guys that... The uh, Tommy Howell, Frank mm -hmm. Anthony. Uh, so, yeah. Paul Rindle. Paul Rindle. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if I said that, <laughs> for anybody that would have been affected, believe me, there are Rich Elrod, I would buy beers with. Uh, no, it was directed more to other guys. You know what's funny is when Jeff and I were at 1037, we had a guy named Peter Schwartz who was our general manager. And we knew the end of the road was coming because of Don Imus' oh. nappy headed hose comment. Everyone across the country got blown out. So uh, I dropped the, the Jew card, you know, that, hey, Schwartz, you're Jewish, I'm Jewish, the whole deal. How about I even, wore, even the day I knew we were going to get blown out, I wore a Derek Jeter jersey in because this guy's a huge Yankee fan and everything was Yankees. It didn't work. He goes, end of the road, clapped his hands, and that was it. Done. We meet Norm Foyer. I dropped the Jew card again. Of course, I'm out. He stays. <laughs> he, call, he calls me. I have no idea what the fuck happened. I'm thinking, no joke, December 6th, they're about to bring the cameras in. December 7th is when we get blown out. Thank God I didn't go buy Christmas gifts that night or buy a car. Yeah. Something stupid. When I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I'm going to get double the check for for one job. I'm thinking, this is the greatest thing going. I got a kid in school. This is awesome. And then Jeff calls me, wakes me up at a passing out. I'm half asleep. And he's like, maybe you should stop playing the Jew card, asshole. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and that was it. And then... Uh, it was over. It was like it was just it was like a tidal wave. All of a sudden, you're like, "What the hell happened?" But he did say that to me. He said, "He goes, look, if, if it's Darren and I, I got two kids. You understand? I got to make a living. I got a mortgage." I said, "Absolutely, I understand." But as soon as they try to put him with hacksaw, he's like, "This is a career suicide. There's no fucking way I'm doing this." Yeah. Well, you could have prevented the complete disaster that was the hacksaw and Hayworth. Oh show. my god! <laughs> I mean, only you could have prevented yes. that one. Yeah. I would have, which in in turn would have prevented Cilio. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll take full responsibility <laughs> for both of those. I see the way the dominoes yeah. are going on that one. And Hayworth, him getting blown out is what resulted in Cilio directly. Yeah. yeah. Right, not even just indirectly because it created a vacancy because they were represented by the same guy. Who's also the consultant. Gabe Hobbs, the yeah. one who politics for all these fucking talker magazine things that we have to hear about (laughs) have you guys ever heard of that no honestly i've been in uh my first year uh in the business uh as an absolute kid was 1991 all i knew at that point was i would do everything i could to steal copies i loved reading billboard and i loved reading radio and records those were the two that would come around billboard and radio and records and man i would do everything i could i just loved Darren, I think you live not far from the newsstand in North Park. Mm-hmm. Paris? I used, Is that the name of it? Paris. Yeah, Paris. Yeah. I used to drive down there, man, and, and you know we're on a radio budget. Radio, radio and Records was like six or seven bucks an issue every Friday. But it was so fun to read all the different things going on. Never in my life have I heard of Talkers Magazine. I have no idea Talk. what it is. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. It, it, it's... Uh... Because yeah, now your your curiosity gets peaked, right? Because somebody's just trumpeting this this <laughs> ranking and this fucking yeah. talkers thing, and, and you know people in the industry are like what? <laughs> and I looked it up. Alex Jones, you know Alex Jones? Yeah, he's number twenty seven. Like a guy who said that the, the Sandy Hook was completely made up. It was a fabrication. They were all actors, right? Like that's twenty. He's twenty seven. Where's Big Sills? <laughs> Sills is where? Highest rated in Southern California. Well, God bless him. Can you imagine how God insecure you have to be to, to parade that thing out there as often as he does? You know, I got nominated to win that Union Tribune. Yeah, that's radio. cool, though. Can you imagine how insecure you'd have to be by, like, hey, don't forget, I'm the 2014 <laughs> Union Tribune place. best of yeah. alternate list. <laughs> and actually won the damn thing. But, like, can you imagine how, like, 
you you have to put that out there just because you were so insecure with yourself. That's ridiculous. What do you think he's see? It's it's funny to me because Dave nailed it. I don't know where I had been, and it's really funny thinking it was only a week ago Friday night. This yeah. feels like so much time. It, it feels like, and we're not bringing politics in it, but it feels like Trump watch when you go, you know, Scarmucci left on Monday. You go, God dang, 50 other things have happened since then. <laughs> I don't know where I had been Friday the 23rd. I had been doing something, and I came home, and I saw your tweet, and I texted you. I said, I'm... I'm in my car. I'm dying because Dave's right. That is something that Kaplan would do. We would do. We would do. Right? <laughs> but it was so out of character and it was so funny and it demolished him. And it and then the Wikipedia thing was incredibly funny. That was great. Whoever that was, whichever uh, time over again. <laughs> okay. Still up there. It's still. Uh, does it still say died March 23rd? Yes. Yeah, it said he was... <laughs> Killed by former co-worker Darren Smith. <laughs> and then the Deadspin stuff. The Deadspin picks it up. All of this. I, I'll ask you for you what it's been like. But but you know him. Dave and I don't. What do you think is he, A, how aware of it on a scale of 1 to 10 do you think he is? Because he strikes me as a big dope. And and part B on that is how much is he affected by it? Does he Does he... Does he see any humor? Does he think it's good pub? Or do you think it, it, it emasculated him a little bit? Well, it, impossible to know, right? Um, it, it hasn't, maybe it, has it changed the social media behavior? I couldn't tell you because I ended up waking up Saturday morning to, to being blocked. He blocked me too. <laughs> yeah. What did of you the, do? I was promoted, it this podcast? I was, well, I'll tell you, we, we put a bounty on his right. Little Italy banners because I just love that he thinks that's why I blocked you. And then I promoted, honestly, when he blocked me is when I promoted, you were coming on the podcast, <laughs> which I found hysterical and very funny. And I was like, Hey, I'm part of a cool. Now you're not blocked yet. No, but- I don't know why I wasn't blocked. Very strange. I have well, no you, idea. You now have the insight. So yeah, you can tell I, us. I, like, I, I don't know that the behavior yeah, I, has you, or hasn't changed. And I think, honestly, Jeff and I have approached this the same way. I mean, if he yeah. blocked Jeff, why wouldn't he block me? But we started out about a month ago saying, look, we never met the guy. You know, we wish everybody who has a radio mm-hmm. contract the best of luck, except Kevin Klein. I completely have turned the corner on that one and say, I hope nobody way, supports yeah, advertisers. I, I don't know that you were clear enough on last week's <laughs> podcast, on Wednesday's podcast, how you feel about Kevin Klein, who I'm, I guess isn't even going to be there tomorrow. Is that what you're hearing now? Yes. Not even tomorrow? That's what I've heard. will be very interesting how they go about what they're going to do with the whole station, him and the Padres, and, and do they go to back to 94.9? Do they go to you guys? What happens there? But yeah, I'm surprised that he, he, he blocked one of us didn't block the other one, but I'll be honest with you, I've matured, I think, a lot in this business where I used to fucking hate everybody, down to the point of, hey, if you have a radio contract, good for you. Wish you nothing but the best And of luck. that's the way I felt. I mean, that, yeah. that's, you know, that's the backstory here that, that you know, I don't know that I've said it on the radio, and I'm, you know, I, honestly, I, I woke up a bit, uh, a bit embarrassed on Saturday morning, because, like you both said, like, that's not me. Like, I don't get into that sort of stuff, but... When you're left with no choice, yeah, but to do something like that, and I'll explain what that means, then you sort of can't let your colleagues get roped into something. And it wasn't just me; he's been jabbing at me since he's gone. But when he left, when 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 he left, I sent him a text message and said, "Hey, good luck." You know, I, and I'm I'm like you. Anybody who's got a radio contract, yeah. talk radio format, didn't view him as as 
direct competition, though I sort of sensed that it was going to be viewed that way because I didn't think he was going over there to do mornings. I thought we would be going head to head, but hey, good luck, right? Like we've we've been yeah. opposite each other. Yeah, sure. You know, we've been in different day parts where we've texted each other and listening to each other's shows, saying say this, say that, say the other thing. But I, I texted the guy when he left. And I said, hey, good luck. You know, and I don't know that I was 100% sincere when I said it was good working with you. I really never interacted with the guy. You know, as you guys will remember, he's out the door at 9.15. I'm usually in the door about 9.30. So we missed each other all the time. And, um, you know, so good luck. Okay, hey, thanks a lot. And then what happens is Scott, you know, this, this <laughs> yeah. is now catnip for Kaplan. So Scott's on the air doing that whole describing in great detail what's happening on Facebook, what's happening on Twitter with Sills, et cetera. And he's needling him and needling him and just, you know, you, I mean, you guys talked about it. And so now Sills is, uh, first he was just taking shots back at Scott and then he starts taking shots at 1090, you know, 1090 sinking, AM radio's dead, blah, blah, blah. And then he, you know, then he pushed it to the point where he said, every host at 1090, wow, every host at 1090 has tried to get a job at my new station. That's what he says. And uh, I sent him a text because that's, you know, that's the way I deal yeah. with it. I don't like putting, it wasn't there for, for the public, you know, to sit and gawk over this very public thing that happened a couple of Fridays ago. It just was the byproduct of it. And I, I texted and I said, hey, that's, you know, that's not true. Like, don't, I don't want to be involved yeah. with this. You and Cap want to dance, you guys dance. And he responds, he goes, your afternoon guy, he's the problem. Why is he so upset? Blah, blah, blah said, hey, that has nothing to do with me. You know, I've said my piece. Good luck to you. You know, I even said on the air, good luck to, to Dan, wherever he ends up. And, um, okay, fine. And then end of February, you know, of course, I get a screenshot from somebody. And he's just going all in on the Nuna 3. Nuna 3, sinking the radio station. The Nuna 3 guy, he's the problem. I'm like, what? Like, you know, again, yeah. I never pursued it. I never. So I sent another one. I said, hey, I don't know why you're doing <laughs> I, I don't bring my name up anymore. It's not a good idea. Like, please, you know, I don't want to get involved. I'm practically begging the fucking guy. Like, yeah. please just yeah. leave me out of this. And he responds, don't text me again, ever. Wow. That's all it said. And I responded, I said, all right. And I said, you know what? Go fuck yourself, Dan. <laughs> I, I, will celebrate, I will celebrate your failure. And that's yeah. what I sent back to him. I still have the texts. And I, that was it. And then for about a month, it cooled off again. And then this random Friday night. Yeah. Who knows what he's up to? Yeah. And he's saying about nobody's listening to AM radio. Nobody's listening to this, that, and the other thing. And somebody, of course, says, well, I listen to you know, Darren Marty Jordan. And he tags all three of us on Twitter because that's what happens. Yeah. He responds, there's zeros. Nothing in this business. Zeros. You wow. know, and, and you know, you're sitting there. You just had a good week. You feel good. You're going in your weekend and you got to deal with this fucking thing, you know? And, and I just sort of said, like, I've, I've done everything I could. I can't text the guy again. I could ignore it, which was what, what Leitner said I should have done. So Did Ted tell you you should yeah. ignore it? That's yeah, funny. So you, so you should have ignored Wrong. it. Wrong. And he said, uh, and, and so I just sort of said, yeah, that's it. I've, I've, I can't do anything else. I've, I've asked the guy multiple times. I said, just go your separate way. Do your thing. Like, you're doing your show. Leave me out of it. You and Scott want to do that stuff. You and Scott do that stuff. And that was that, was that you know. And, and, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't planned on saying the things that I said. It just sort of, 
erupted that way, and and you know that's where we I'm are. Tell you, it was great. Not it only was, was it great, great for entertainment, I can't tell you how many people stopped me in the last few days saying, "Is Darren really coming on? This is going to be awesome." Darren went up a bunch of notches in my <laughs> book. People have told me over and over again because he did push back. You, you showed took the out the bully, and, and people. Right. You the, took out well, the like, bully. You took out the bully, and not only yeah. did you take out the bully, but we were talking about this last week. Like, who's San Diego in this town? There's so many people move here, but yeah. how many people have adopted the city and saying, "I am San Diego." You're looked at as a guy that represents San Diego. That's a guy that was, that's an outsider. And right now, he's going to be an outsider forever. But you took a shot at one of our own. And it, it felt like, you know, this city's been pushed around a lot the last few years, a lot of bad news. And all of a sudden, one of our guys, a San Diego guy, pushed back really hard. And that people loved it. I, I can't tell how many times I've been stopped about to people that I don't even know and say, hey, I know you do that podcast. Is Darren really coming on? Because I can't tell you what a big fan I am over the last few weeks. Well, but let me ask you this. It's cool to hear, but I will say yeah. I, I could have dealt with his bullshit. It was mostly tagging Marty and Jordan. Like, you know, listen, yeah. these are people we don't always have the best shows, right? We've all done enough of this mm-hmm. to know yeah. some are better than others, but we had a good week and these two really bust their asses for this show. They don't get paid what they should get paid, and to have their Friday night evening tagged and included in that loser's bullshit was that that was to me the breaking point, and that's that's why the, the what's the what are the kids said clap back yeah that's why it was what it was because I was like you know I, I could put up with his subtweeting I could put up with his bullshit for me yeah you know I I you got to have thick skin if you're gonna sit where we all sit. But not those two. Like that, that to me was where you cross the line. It gets back to what we were saying. You got to yeah. have your people's backs. Yes. You know, and, 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 you know, Marty, of course, fires back herself. Um, but I just said, enough's enough. I, I can't get through to this fucking guy dealing with him like a man saying, hey, what are we doing here? I don't understand. Like we, we agreed that we would just, but that, that was it. That was it enough. And, and that was the result of it. But welcome to Deadspin. But, well, and that's funny. Because I know you well enough, and I know you well enough, and I know what you strive to do, and we like that. We like that a lot about you. We like that a lot about your show. So I'm interested for you on Friday when Deadspin comes out, when Deadspin comes out and recaps everything that goes on, and now here are the screen captures of your tweets. Because I think, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, I think you want to be known for what you do on the air. You prepare hard. The the great question thing I think is fantastic. I think you should take pride in that because I don't think guys, even the Trevor thing was funny this week. I, I like that. Dave and I used to act like uh, if somebody said that on our show, we would dop our cap to the crowd. You know, we would stand up. We'd flip each other off. We'd Jeff do would walk around the studio like Ric Flair yeah. while the guy was talking. He would take his <laughs> headphones take off. take headphones off and yeah. not even listen to the answer. <laughs> But it, it's an appreciation for that. But when you see the screen capture, do you look at it and you go, that's oh, kind of funny to see the whole thing? Or is there a part of you going, man, if, if people are going to know the Darren Smith show, I want them to know 99% of what we do. This was 1% on a Friday night. Well, I, I mean, I, I think the fact, like Pele said, that, that so many people said that's so out of character helps me with the whole situation. Sure. Because I, oh, I'm i a pretty private person, even though we all have very public lives. I'm pretty private with what I let out there. 
you know, for, for the first eight years of my relationship, you know, I referred to you know, my girlfriend, then wife now as, as a female, you know, I never posted pictures of her. Um, you know, I'm pretty private that way. Yeah. Not that, you know, I mean, who the fuck am I? I'm not Brad Pitt, right? Like I don't have to worry about these kids and you know, the, my whole family, not worried, just, just prefer to keep certain things. Yeah. Private. Your, your sure. wife didn't ask to become a public figure. Exactly. So, you know, she didn't get that at first. I had to explain why I wasn't posting pictures of her on Facebook and Twitter. And I said, cause it's a sewer, yep. you know, because, because no matter what, for all the good that comes out of it, it just takes, you know, one anonymous troll to ruin it all. So I, I was, I, I was, like I said, I woke up Saturday. I was a bit embarrassed about it. And I, I didn't want people to think I was doing it for the public show of it all because I think those things are so transparent, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like Scott and Sills going back and forth. Like, you know, th- that's... It's they're, fun. They're, they're, yeah. WWE. I mean, Scott, like Scott, you know... Loves it. He loves the drama. Scott wants us to be a reality television show, you know? And I, I got to give... I got to admit, I mean, he's he's been right in terms of the amount of attention that we've had recently. But um, I... I I wouldn't want to be known for that. Like, I wouldn't want to be known for, for being that guy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, and, um, you know, you, you think about like, you know, should, should you have gone to those lengths, you know, should, and again, they were just direct responses to him. You know, I wasn't like retweeting it or quote tweeting it or doing all of that stuff. He said, don't text him. So this, this is how was I was going to go after him. But you know, I, I think that's you know what helps me with the the very private thing was that people knew it was out of character, mm-hmm. and uh, that that made me happy about the whole situation. Cool. You know that that yeah. helped me through it is that people knew that that was like what the fuck like how did he end up in that <laughs> state of mind that that came from him, and you know I think everybody should know like I got pushed into that situation. Yeah. I didn't ask for it. Yeah. I specifically asked out of it several times by dealing with him directly, directly, like away from public consumption. And he's just too fucking stupid to have understood what I was trying to say or too desperate or whatever he was trying to get out of it. I won't even attempt to get in that guy's uh, mind. I'm so glad you say that because in the dead spin context, it was so great. It was so great. And I was with friends yesterday that that work in San Diego radio, and one of them said, boy, you know, remember when there was camaraderie between the stations and people could go out and have beers? I said, it's still there. I go, you got two fucking dickheads that rolled into town that think they're tough and think they know this market, and they got shredded. They got shredded this week. One guy got shredded. Actually, both guys got shredded for being a couple of big mouths. But eventually... Dave Rickards will end up being the morning show there, and that will bring instant credibility to that mm-hmm. station. And then whatever else they do for the rest of the day, if they get rid of big sills or, or whatever else, then slowly they will rebuild. Then they will find a way to get out of it. But um, no, I'm glad you say that because when you read the dead spin, you're like, wow, wow, wow. And then all of a sudden, here's your screen capture. Yeah, I, I like it because I think, too, the other thing, that it showed this week, and you know it, because you've had, like all of us had, our run-ins with people on Twitter. But Dave Dave alluded to it, and I think Dave's spot on. What it showed was how many people immediately, and a lot of times they could be people that you've butted heads with, immediately were like, Team Darren. They're like, we got your back. And it was, all of a sudden it felt like it was a city of whatever we are, how many million, versus three guys. And you're like, this is great. It and was I, great. And I said to Dave, I go, that's really cool. 
Because, as I said last night, I think with Rickards or Stevie Woods or pick anybody else, right? Chainsaw, any of those guys. If we see any of those guys, it's like, yeah, go out and drink beers. Mm -hmm. The camaraderie's still there. It's a small fraternity. We're all neurotic. Yeah. But when a couple of guys come in and think they're going to start kicking sand around, they're going to they're gonna get shredded. They're going to get put in their place, and they did. And I just found it awesome that the guy that came up and, and delivered the, the game-winning home run mm -hmm. was a guy that you, that you wouldn't expect it from, and I thought it was fantastic. And as of Good right now, you. it worked. I mean, it completely worked. You haven't heard from the guy at all. I mean, as far as the attack. <laughs> when you're looking you know, back, yeah. you can't move forward <laughs> right. was the next day. And, and like, you know, it's amazing how many people saw that. Like, you know, not just those that are on social media, but, but you know, I was told by somebody who had some thirsty. thirsty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. that sugar. She's always in there. Oh, I so, thought that was uh, me. <laughs> I, I was told by somebody who had, you know, been uh, around Ron Fowler, you know, yeah. that, that after the Klein stuff, yeah, you know, Fowler was just, you know, he's pretty he's a proud guy. You know, he's proud San Diegan and um, had said, you know, and, and the Klein stuff. And this is after what Cilio's doing on Twitter on a yeah. Friday night. So like that somehow, some way Ron Fowler is aware of that and it's factored in to his dissatisfaction with his flagship. You know, I, yeah. I thought that was, was pretty interesting to hear that secondhand, of course, but just to hear that he's going, and, and what's he doing on, on a Friday night with Darren? You know, like, I don't get that. And, and, you know, that to me where, again, that was another part of it that made me feel like, yeah, it was great to get all the texts from, I get this cackling message from Jeff. Like he, he's like on a Friday night, like, yeah, you know, like all that was great, you know, cause you knew people would, would, uh, have your back in those situations, but you know to hear from somebody like you know secondhand even from Ron Fowler, like what what is he doing yeah. on a Friday night? What is this? You know, like like this is adding to his frustration with his flagship. You know that to me is where you you sort of felt justified, even though it was completely out of character. Now I know it's not your call. We we discussed this in the last podcast as far as what do you do to fix the station. I mean here here you are. You're looking at Intercom, one of the biggest names in radio right now. It looks like the only big name that still has money in radio. What do you do with, with Kevin Klein? Does he ever go on there here at all? Do you have to change stations and say, well, we, they have a contract with Intercom. Their contract's already done and say, let's just move them back to a 94.9 and 98.1. Do we call a roll partner in 1090 that hit the entire county and, and try and work out a deal? What's the best move if you're Ron Fowler? What, what, what angle are you waiting for? They said they'd make it through this week and then decide what they're going to do. Sure. And off on a Sunday and yeah, I, I might be wrong. You know, maybe they're maybe they've decided that they're going to roll him out anyway on a Monday rollout climb. Um, I don't I don't know what legally he can do. You know I don't know. I'm sure he's asking. I'm sure he's asking all the lawyers. He even admitted yeah. as much that he's spending a lot of time talking to the Padre lawyers. But I don't think they want an apology. I don't think that's good enough. And I think they want heads to roll. And I think I think they're right. I think that 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 that's what they should expect. Yeah, and this is not, hey, I want to see other people get fired because it's personal, because I'm in radio, because I want to see other people. It has nothing to do with that. But I do think that, that you know, it's not enough just to put out a couple of apologies on Twitter. And it shouldn't be enough. You know, that, that, was, you know, that was really above, beyond. Um, and and it's, it's just part of it. You know, it's just part of their dissatisfaction. I think that they probably are trying to figure out if they could find 
they've received phone calls, obviously. I know that that 1090s management has told me we would be interested hypothetically. I don't know how to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, with all those deals, like all the contracts and such. And also keep in mind, some of the some of those deals are also Intercom. Like Intercom pays all of its baseball rights holders. It gets a huge, what's called a buy in radio. It gets, you guys know this just for, but all the stations get some amount of money. If you're an intercom, sta- intercom station that carries Major League Baseball, games on, on your radio station, Major League Baseball itself has spent like, let's say a million dollars on each of these radio stations. So I don't know how you can give that up or, or get out of that, you know, now that the season's three games in, but um, you know, I think that, that Ron's a pretty proud guy. And I think Ron uh, has a sense of right and wrong. And um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he did everything he could to say, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll make it through this season. And then we're going to move on, you know? Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Good luck. And uh, have a nice life. You know what's funny is... But I'm just guessing. I swear. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. I have no connection to, yeah, to Ron directly. What's funny is we talked about earlier. Kaplan had earned the opportunity to be given a chance to apologize for the Sasquatch comment mm-hmm. that opened the door for me and Dave. And he was out the door. Klein has done nothing in this town. And it's funny. Uh, Scott made me laugh on Twitter the other day, because he goes, he was listening to the podcast. He goes, God damn, Jeff's calling me the loose cannon. He's, bur- <laughs> he's burning every bridge in town. Well, gosh, I mean, the Bollinger stuff. Well, and here's why on Bollinger. What's funny about Bollinger's, Bollinger's hired me two different times. Hired me at uh, KFMB originally for Padre Baseball, was a big part of that. Um, worked with Dave there, and then hired us at 1360. I had a wonderful relationship with him. He was a leader. The GM from the first place I worked didn't know anybody. I had been at KFMB for two days. He stopped me in the hall and introduced himself, said, hey, Jeff, I'm Bob Bollinger. I'm the GM if you need anything. My office is right there. I had so much respect for him, took us on the road, everything else. But when I started to talk about Bollinger, who is hid under his desk during this entire thing, and avoided any media comment. When I started talking, I kind of had some ideas about Bob, and then I looked at a guy whose father committed suicide this year. A guy who knows Dave, worked with Dave, said he loves Dave, and I'm like, you fucking guy. You know, how many other people in that intercom building are looking to you to be a leader? Dave's father didn't jump off the Coronado Bridge But Dave's father took his life. Other people in that building have been affected by it. Kevin Klein has not done shit. You come out that day and you say, that's not who we are as a radio station, and he's gone. And you are the leader, and that's why you're paid the money. And as I sat here, I got so pissed because I know the guy he used to be. I know the leader that he used to be where people like me would run through a wall for him, and he has completely quit on what his legacy was. And I couldn't give less of a shit what he thinks about me today because no matter how little he thinks of me, magnify that by 10,000, it's how little I think of him. He turned into a gutless coward when that building needed him to be a leader. Fuck him. And he should be ashamed of who he was because he was responsible for Jeff and Jer. He was responsible for a bunch of good things. But um, I said it. There's a great 
I, I was telling friends yesterday, there's a great little saying in one of the local boxing gyms, and it's on this little sign. And I don't even know how I saw it. But it's a champion stand when others stay down. And Bob stayed down. Yeah. Bob well, stayed down. Unless he got clipped, you know, unless Intercom started coming in from the East Coast and saying, hey, we got to survey the damage here. For Kevin We'll Klein. take over here. Cap got blown out for saying yeah. a Sasquatch, which I'm not, I'm not defending what Scott did. My mm -hmm. point being, and Scott, Scott doesn't need me to fight his battle. But Scott had earned the opportunity with that radio station because of hustling and advertisers and doing what he had done. Scott earned the opportunity to come in and say, hey, you know what? On Friday, I fucked up. Yeah. On Friday, I fucked up. And it's disrespectful. And, and you people know me better than that. Yeah. And you know, you know what I'm all about. I like, have daughters. Have, I have a wife. This and, is all we know about yeah. this guy. This and apparently Smash Mouth has his back. Smash Mouth. <laughs> how about that? You guys yeah. talk about how crazy this is. That like was the, awesome. It's like the Trump cycle. Where the fuck did Smash yeah. Mouth come in all this? Smash Mouth. That was funny. And then shit. to watch them retreat was even better. Yeah. yeah. We stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Smash Mouth, for chiming in on this delicate situation in San Because so they went funny. from people in San Diego are too sensitive to we stand corrected. Yeah. Smash Mouth. That was, that was funny. <laughs> that was one of those things I had to read twice. I got this cannot be the band Smash Mouth. This what is the not fuck? the real account, right? Yeah. Is, did that guy almost die? Like, didn't he have, like, a massive heart attack or something recently, like the singer, and they had to carry him off the stage? And, like, he, I think within a year, if we, I... They I haven't done anything in 18 years. Smash Mouth. Playing, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Well, playing hopefully, Fiesta Harley Simon will come out and defend you, Jeff. Playing Fiesta. <laughs> I take it. Hey, Ooh, have a, they, they, you hear their song four times a year when there's an all-star game. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's that's it. it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, uh, and every I'm dope a radio show plays it when you have the all-star on the radio. I'm a believer showed up on Sirius XM yesterday. I was like, goddamn Smash Mouth. Look at you guys. Like, we can't get away from you. Look, I, don't, I don't want to make this whole night about Kevin Klein. And, and I'm going to ask you about something because Dave never had to produce a show. I produced for Hank Bauer. When I produced for Hank Bauer, there were days I wanted to kill Hank. But you know what? I, I couldn't be more thankful to Hank because what Hank did to me every day as a producer was challenge me to be great. And if Hank had not challenged me to be great and just said be me mediocre, I, I don't think we're ever on the air. I really don't because he, 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 I believe he saw something in me, challenged me every day, and uh, I, I couldn't be more thankful to him for, for saying, Dude, we, we can do this every day. But I know what a thankless job that is um, because so much different than being a host. Because I've said it here, if you have three hours and you book three guests and your first guest shows up, now you're absolutely convinced that your second guest is mm. going to fuck you. Second guest shows up and you're like, well, there's no fucking way I'm going three for three and the third guest is going to fuck me. And then the third guest shows up and you're like, well, now I'm going to get fucked for the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's the worst. You came here as a producer. You understand that role very much. I have said often on this show how much I appreciate Marty Caswell. Never worked with Both her. Both of us have. Yeah, when she was started, a caller. Yeah, when we started at 690 even in 2007, they're like, hey, money's not an issue. What does the station need? We said, throw whatever you can to get 1360. Marty. 1360. In 2007, we said, you got to get Marty over here. She's the difference maker that will... Make 1360 better than 1090. Darren, you were a producer. You, you produced, I think, for Dan Patrick. Mm -hmm. You came out here with, with Mason, with Scott and BR. 
You understand that role. I understand that role. Tell people what it is that makes her so good. Uh, there's, <laughs> she just, it's going to sound, it, it, I, I'm trying to come up with the right words to not sound mean-spirited here, but it's that it's the most important thing in her life. There's, there's nothing that comes ahead of work for her. You know, what I was going to say was, you know, at times she has no life. You know, she's willing to drop everything to go do whatever it is that she feels like she should be doing. If that's spending Christmas in Cleveland, Ohio, mm -hmm. to cover the Chargers back when they were in San Diego. If that's hopping on a flight and going to the NFL Combine. If that's, you know, she, she will drop everything in her, in her life to be where she feels like she needs to be to be the best producer possible. Now, that's often defined by her. <laughs> yeah. Where this is where we've had our, our battles over the years is that um, she sort of defines what, where she needs to be, what she needs to be doing. And sometimes I need to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Show priority, show priority, not being out at Chargers priority. We need to come to some, some common ground here. But it's it's just a it's a it's a relentless attitude and spirit towards the radio show all the time. She just she just refuses to take no for an answer. She, uh, well, what, what, what? my wife just the came. Greatest. I love from her. Just give you guys food. So she uh, just the greatest. Yeah, she's she's just you know she's got a work ethic unlike any other. You know, and there are times where you'd say, go have fun. Drinks, dinner, whatever. Friends, go do other stuff. Yeah. Where is she? Friday night. Joey Lucchese's making his Major League Baseball debut. Where is she? She's in the press box. Yep. Yeah. On a Friday night. I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, I yeah. had other shit to do. Like, I, you know, we got invited to some house party. Like, yeah. You know, I get it. It's Joey Lucchese. If he's any good, I'll see him pitch who knows how many more yeah. times. Countless more times. She's there. She's you know, setting things up, establishing connections, getting, you know, information, yeah. sound, all that sort of stuff that we need to do for the show. I see her at every Charger home game with her camera and, <laughs> and it's tough being a woman in a locker room. And she, she does a fantastic job. It's funny is she doesn't say anything to, to me. Like she, I'll be honest with you, 90% of the time I go, Hey Marty. And again, I've known Marty 25 years. <laughs> I never get a response back. Her and Gina, the Latina completely. Says, Fuck <laughs> off. Gina, the Latina would never, I'd say hi to Gina every morning when we're at the old building. And she blew me off. And I would tell Jeff, that fucking bitch, man, will never say hi back to me. But Marty seems so focused on your show. Dude, she doesn't that, say hello to me. That, <laughs> I'm not even shit yeah. you. When she walks into the studio in the morning, she just sits down, opens up her laptop, and she starts doing something. That's so funny. And I never took it with Marty as she was blowing me off. I just took it as she's just focused on doing her job. And she she's there for a reason. And, and saying hi right now is a little too much for me right now. And we kind of just laughed about it. Bobby, we used to make <laughs> yeah. jokes about it. Jeff made jokes about it. I made jokes about it. But honestly, I think she's the best in San Diego. And, and to me, to have someone that's willing to run through a wall for you 24 hours a day is pretty amazing. Well, yeah. And she's loyal. I mean, that's man, another thing. Man. She's just, she's so loyal. There are times where you say, you know, uh, don't get involved with this. But if she really feels some way, you know, something's not being managed right, right? From a yeah. program director, from a, a, a vice president, whatever. She will fight... <laughs> roll up her sleeves, put her employment at risk. I mean, like, seriously, like yeah. she's, you know, she's gotten to the point where I say, Marty, 
calm down. This is this is not the hill you want to die on. You know that old yep. phrase, like, don't die on this hill. Save it for another fight. This is bullshit. Don't don't get too wrapped up in this. Learn to let it go. Let it roll off your back. Focus on something else. We've got bigger things to worry about. But you know, she just she's she's now she's also a little bit of a conflict addict. But that's just how she's wired. You know, she's just all go all the time. She doesn't. I mean, I couldn't even tell you the last time she took a vacation. You know, just because there's always something for her to yep. do. Like I said, Friday night's the biggest example. And people, listen, I mean, I know that there are reporters up there. Bernie Wilson's up there. And, sure. and you know, Bill Center's up there. And Kevin Acey's. And, and, but they're, they're, they're supposed to be there. Yeah. They're, they're the, the beat. fucking beat reporters. Yeah. She's not a beat reporter. You know, she's a radio producer. But there might be something that happens that night that she feels like, well, I can't miss. And I might have to have some sound because I got to have a rating for the show on Monday. I, I've got to go on the road with the team because what if happened... You know, and, and it's just, you know, she's just so dedicated and, and just, she's just so obsessed with it. Like I said, like, like the, I was trying not to say she has no life, yeah. but like, I swear like this is like, it's her oxygen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like hacksaw with phone callers. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's just, you know, I always used to say that about the saw, like the saw's oxygen was phone callers. He needed that oxygen to breathe. And it's the same thing for Marty. She's got to be in an event. You know, people crush her all the time because she goes up to Carson you know, because she goes up there and she covers these Charger games. Mm-hmm. And it's, we don't send her. You know, we don't as a radio station. We don't as a show send her. But, you know, she just, there's a market for it. It might not be in San Diego. It's not like we put it on the show. If she wants to go up there, post some stuff, try to climb digitally towards some of her goals that, that we all have internally as a radio station, fine. <laughs> but that's, that's what she is, you know. Like, she wants to be near the action, you know, and, yep. and that's what makes her. That's why everybody always says the same thing. She's at everything. She's at every event. You've never not seen her in a press conference. No. Because she's always there. I think it's great. I say to my kids all the time, find something that you have a passion for. Her passion is San Diego sports. Mm-hmm. So she loves it. But I also know this, and, and I'll it kind of leads in. I look at what she does, and, and I hear people fuck with her. I remember the day that we all started at 1090. Rosie had worked with her before, Josh Rosenberg, and said, said, watch what I'm going to do. And Marty walked in and said everything. And Josh hugged her. And she couldn't have been more uncomfortable. Now, it's not a me too thing. Don't panic. He didn't harass her. He just was having fun. But what I've said to Dave over and over is I By the way, that continues. Linda Welby. Yeah, hugs her. Hugs Scott, her. Hug, Scott hugged her in that picture the yeah, other day. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. It, it just makes me laugh. But what I have said to Dave on this show is I go, I look back at where Hank's show was when I took it over and where it was when I left. I go, fuck, I was pretty good. She fucking blew me so far out of the water. And I know how hard I worked every day. And I go, if I worked that hard every day, it's just a different level. And, and the pressure as a producer was 50 times worse than I've ever felt on this show. So I just have an appreciation. One of the things that I don't know that people talk about, but one the guy that I like listening to do interviews is Dan Patrick. You have a history. Would you so you worked with Dan at ESPN. There were no Danettes at the time. What did you take away from that? And and do you think he had any impact at all? on the way you are hosting, preparing, doing the radio show, the science of talk radio? 1,000%. 
I, I wouldn't be here. I mean, I literally wouldn't be here without Dan, and I wouldn't be at this point in my career anywhere without Dan because Dan, you know, Dan's brother Bill, sure, is the one that started the Mighty 1090 with John Lynch in 2003. That's Dan's brother. Dan said, "Do you want to go to California and go work with my brother Bill, who's launching a radio station, and and work with John Lynch?" I said, "Absolutely." So I would not be here without him arranging that. And I don't think I would have gotten, even though I was moving at a pretty crisp pace at ESPN, you know, I was, I got hired, was making eight bucks an hour, working in a tape room, flagging college football game plays yeah. and things like that, and cutting up sound for the producers, cutting up sound for the hosts, update guys, getting screamed at, you know, because yeah. the out cue was wrong. And then gradually started running a board, working weekends, working night times. You know, it, it was the break I got was was working on Dan's show because Dan was new to radio and Dan uh, was not comfortable making the transition from television to radio. You know, Dan, for as talented as he is, Dan was uh, very demanding and had burned through two producers in six months. Yeah. So, you know, the first producer they gave him was this guy named Ron Flatter. You guys know Ron? He's been around the business forever. He works with Musburger now out in Vegas. Ron is incredibly intellectual, been around radio forever. But Dan you know, just chewed him up, you know, and, and Ron just sort of imploded. Just it just it wasn't a good fit, yeah. you know. And he you know, Dan was difficult to work with just because he was, you know, he, he was Dan Patrick from eleven o'clock sports center, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he had a second producer and you know, that person just kowtowed to him and just did whatever he wanted to do. And, you know, Dan's show, when it first started, like, he was a guest every segment. You just talked about guests showing up. Yeah. He used to have a guest in the first segment of his show, of his radio show, because he was just uncomfortable with ad-libbing for 15, 20 minutes. You could do it on SportsCenter when you're setting up highlights, but it's another thing to do it for 15, 20 minutes make it interesting. So, like, I remember one time they had Derek Jeter on tape, and he's taping another interview that he's using in the next segment and, like, making all the producers crazy. And, um, you know, I, I just sort of went in there and was told by colleagues at ESPN, like, you're, you're committing career suicide by <laughs> doing this. Like, yeah, you're, you're, it's not going to last. Dan's just not going to make it on radio. He's a TV guy, TV guy, you know, TV guys, we're TV, TV radio guys. So, um, you know, I, I think I walked in there at a time where he sort of realized I've gone through two producers in six months and, uh, you know, I was relatively green and I was, in some, I was in awe of him. You know, that's Dan Patrick. And we just found a common ground. We just clicked. And, and, you know, there was nothing I did. We had a show booker, so I didn't have to worry about that stuff. 95% of my responsibilities were just taking care of Dan, like just making Dan feel comfortable, giving him advice. Stop thinking about this in terms of television. Listen to the Stern show. Listen to sports talk radio. You know, do all these things that will yeah. make you better at radio. And in turn, you know, I just learned a lot from being around a guy like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the great question stuff, you know, that's something that he would do. You know, that, that's something that he always would joke around about. So, you know, just his career, being with him at a time where he was, you know, a little bit vulnerable and a little bit insecure, you know, I think it, it you know, it allowed me to be around the real Dan Patrick, you know, not, yeah. not the Dan that was just in makeup in a suit walking off the set of sports center. You know, he, 
you know, he needed to, to learn a new craft, you know, for as talented as he is. But man, that you talk about perfection, work ethic, um, being able to, to poke fun at yourself. Yeah, all of that comes from Dan. Like that's that's who Dan Patrick was. You know, I, I, I want to obviously get back to you, but I want to ask you about Dan since he, since we're on the topic of it because he's a guy that has become very successful in radio. But when in 2002 we started ESPN locally, and they said, "Hey, we want you to be director of operations, program director." Well, there's really nothing to program outside of you know promos and stuff because we have local programming. We're running. Mike and Ryan, Mike and Dan and Eric Casillas and, and whatever mm, else Eric we're running. Casillas, wow. But Dan went from the show you're talking about to all of a sudden he had Rob Dibble on it, he had Sean Salisbury on it, and he didn't seem like that was the show he wanted to do. Even though it wasn't bad, it just didn't seem like, wait a second, this is the Dan Patrick show. All of a sudden there are three guys in this room, and I thought it was only going to be one guy. Now it, it's him with the Danettes, of course. But he's become very, very successful in, in his radio show. Are you surprised to see the way his show has evolved? I am because he was never, you know, he he um he want he was interested in the ensemble cast because you know when he was with radio, I said you know you got to stop thinking Sports Center. This isn't Sports Center for radio. Like he didn't used to understand why you would thank the people who work on the show because we don't do that on Sports Center. Yeah. He didn't understand that you had to reintroduce the guests. You know, in radio where you say, yeah. you know, every second or third question. You don't know you who's say, turning the radio on at what time. Right, so, hey, you know, yeah. we're, we're interviewing Dave Pelle. You're listening to the Mighty 1090. So he would never, he didn't understand why you had to do that. And you know what he used to do to his producers? He used to make us, he then used to do a bunch of rejoins and we used to have to fucking edit them into the interviews because he always thought like, well, this is, you know, this is embarrassing that I'm talking to Reggie Miller and I got to reintroduce who this is. And, and you know, he didn't under. Like I said, he thought like a TV guy because they would font it. They would yeah. put the name up on the screen. So he didn't want me on the radio. And the only character that there was was this guy named Phil Sapaglia, Phil the Show Killer. Yes. Remember Phil the Show Killer? Who I believe still in working in Bristol. But that was it. That was Phil the Show Killer, who was a character on the Tony Kornheiser show. It was created by the Kornheiser show, which did the ensemble cast. And then stuck around and ran the board for Dan. But, you know, we had a producer. That was me. We had a show booker. That was a guy named Paul Nanos. We had a researcher, a kid named Kelvin Alvarez. We had a, a guy named John Hassan from ESPN, the magazine. Howie Schwab worked on that yeah. show. You know, we had five or six people that worked on the Dan Patrick show. But none of the guys none who of were of there. none of us were on. None of us were on. Yeah. None of us were recognized. None of us were ever really discussed. And I'm not saying that in a way like I'm complaining. It just, it, it was the way the show ran. So when you ask, like, am I surprised to see what he is today? A little bit because he, um, he was not about that. He was not about that then. He wasn't ready then to open it up. Or maybe it was just, maybe it was just the wrong collection. Maybe it was us, right? Maybe he didn't think I was interesting enough or as interesting as Paul Pabst. Or he didn't think that Paul Nanos was as interesting as Fritzy. You know, maybe. maybe. I mean, I, he would know, but I think it had more to do with him getting comfortable with radio. That was the time when I produced him. He had to learn to get comfortable on radio because he just, he wasn't. And it's understandable, even for somebody as, as great as yeah. fucking Dan Patrick, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm not surprised that he's successful or that he stuck with it because I didn't think he was going to pull the plug quickly. I'm just, you know, I, I'm actually really, really happy that he got so comfortable in radio and decided it's okay that I have all these other people involved in the show. It's, it's, you know, he, he just found a groove and became a real radio guy instead of being a television guy 
who was on radio. Yeah. It's funny is that show probably has roots in San Diego. Here's why I say that. November of 07, I quit Hank's show. I go to a meeting with Bill Pugh. Bill is running 690. They're putting together a morning show. The morning show was John Fricky and Sean Salisbury. And he said, uh, one of the things we're going to do is my brother's going to do three hits a week. He's going to do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And and Dan would come on at whatever time, seven or eight. And he'd go for 15 minutes, and he was fantastic. Then shortly after that, he ends up, you know, whatever it was, six months within a year, he gets this ESPN show, and then all of a sudden, Sean leaves. This was in 97, right? I think you said 07. Oh, yeah, 97. sorry, 97. Yeah, back in 97. And uh, Sean leaves, goes back there, Dibs goes back there, the whole thing. But it's really funny because when I met with Bill and Bulldog about booking that show and taking that show over with Fricky and Sean, one of the main things, and it was a fantastic segment. That's why it's funny to hear you say he struggled because he was so relaxed, just let it go. He's, he's a great guest. You know, well, I mean, yeah, that's a, you're right. It's a great guest. Yeah, but I mean, can you imagine though? Can you imagine being told? I mean, as a producer or in radio, can you imagine if if a producer came and goes, "Well, yeah, I, I'll I'll be back in ten minutes because I got to edit in yeah. all these reintros." Yeah. Think about how like how much more stuff you could be doing. Yet, yet that was where Dan was at. That's not too like deep inside radio right? no. people understand that that's Rejoice. a huge part of what we a do reset yeah resets you know you're you're listening to trevor hoffman yeah. joining us on the mighty 1090 because the guy calls in and then we used to sit there we used to do the interview we used to tape you know tape an interview for instance and then we'd have dan go you're listening to trevor hoffman on the dan patrick show <laughs> trevor hoffman joining us on the dan patrick show so you know at, at first it was a real grind but you know you just you know we had to you know sort of get him into the water yeah. slowly and then get him comfortable and then say dan could you just do the fucking reintros? Yeah. Like, could you just, God almighty, just do it. And like, we'd put it up because we'd have a, a mirrored screen, you know, that you could type something on your screen and it would yeah. show up in the studio. And we'd just like be running the cursor over it, like <laughs> making it flash so he could see it. Just do the damn reintros, you know? And yeah. Then, then like, that started, you know, and then the rest for him with a guy like that, with that much talent, just crushed it. That's you know? funny. I was thinking about that when we knew you were coming down tonight. I said, it's going to be different for you because you're never on the side you're in no. right now, meaning that no, we're asking you questions. <laughs> and, and that's what I was saying. I go, watch. He's going to be great because he's going to talk because we've talked a million times. But it's completely out of what you've been used to for almost 20 years, you know, of being the guy that, that we're throwing questions at you. One thing that you get complimented on all the time is how great your interviews are. I mean, we, 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 we talked about the great question and how important it is that you do a great job, but people say it to us. And if people are going to say it to us and, and they know we're in the same business and it doesn't matter, but to, to go out of the way and compliments. I mean, I love Darren's interviews. How much time goes in your interviews? What are you trying to get out of the interview? Are you trying to give us, as a listener, something that they normally wouldn't know? Uh, not just relevant because it's an easy way to go through interviews and just kind of pancake. This is your life. Or you can sit there and say, I'm going to give the audience something they might not know that they can take home and repeat to someone else later on down the, down the, in the day. And this is another uh, tip to ode to Dan, you know, because I think Dan really prided himself on doing the interviews and um, just the style of the question, making sure that Mm -hmm. the questions are short, listening, ask the follow up. Yeah. Don't, have your seven or eight questions, ask the question, listen to the answer. There might be something. So funny to, you said that. Because a lot of, I think, a uh, mistake a lot of people make when they're doing interviews is they just come in with a predetermined list of the things that they feel like they should be asking. 
and they're going to ask these and they're not going to follow up if there's something that's sort of interesting that you could follow up on. Hey, what was that? Explain that. Take that one step further. Because they're nervous. And I was going to ask you, at what point did you get comfortable enough to just say, you know, I'm going to listen. I'm going to have my bullet points of what I want to cover with Trevor Hoffman, but I'm also comfortable in just, because I will tell you, I know Darren will tell you and Dave will tell you, it, you're going to be driving on a Monday or whenever and listening to this and go, well, that's just easy. That's how I talk to the guys that work all day. It's not. When did you find, how long do you think it took to get to that point in the process that we talk about all the time there in the science of talk radio, where you said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm just going to listen to what he says. And if there's something there, I'll follow up or I'll just address bullet point B. By the way, real quick, did you see the, because uh, it goes to show you to what you're talking about. Oh, it's so easy. Did you see the uh, Mike Golick, Ronda yes. Rousey? Yes. Disaster. <laughs> what? Disaster. What am I, a time traveler? Yeah. Where what? am I going? What? Where, how did we get here? Yeah. But that's somebody, you know, that's somebody like Golick who's been doing this for 25, 30 years, you know, and he finds himself. Now, I think that was Rousey, right? Sure. That was Ronda Rousey. But um, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't tell you that I'm ever comfortable like i'm constantly thinking about how to make the interviews better you know i used to i used to get really really stubborn if i felt like an interview was a real piece of shit interview mm-hmm. you know i used to get stubborn because everybody on the planet tells you you should just pull the plug just get out of the interview right like if you got an athlete interview you should just say hey this isn't working i'm gonna move on like heard with jim harbaugh heard harbaugh i heard keenan allen on with petros and money I don't know if you guys caught that one. No, no. Or it just was, was bad. It was really, really bad. And Petros and Money went, "We're done. We're out." Say, Keenan, you're not interested. We're gonna, we're gonna let you go. And uh, I used to be way too uh, stubborn. You know, I used to be like, no, no, no. Like, I used to like the worst interviews like, last the longest. <laughs> I, was, I was so determined to try to get one good damn thing out of this interview. Like, I got to get one goddamn thing out of this interview that's going to make this experience worth it. And it wasn't always the case. So, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I, you know, ever feel, I don't ever really feel that comfortable. I don't ever think that there was one time where, you know, I've said to myself, yep, uh uh-huh, uh, you know, that was the interview that really, um, you know, I mean, I can remember interviewing a fan, like we tracked down when I was working with Philly Billy, we tracked down, remember when Nev got in those, the Nevin got... (laughs) With the fans in Philadelphia, he was flipping them off and yeah, giving them yeah. the finger, and the guy made this big to-do about it because he's like, hey, well, this baseball player is flipping off my daughter. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, the guy was heckling and, and you know, the whole time. And I remember we, we interviewed that fan, and, of course, we laid him out. Yeah. And I remember you know, somebody, Bill Pugh or, or John, said, oh, great, ra-, you know, great radio. But that's not really, you know, that's not a big name. You know, no. that, that's nothing like you're ever going to, submit to your, your, your next demo. employer you know yeah. what i mean it never so i i don't you know i always think i think we do bad interviews all the time i thought we did a bad interview with hunter renfro a couple of weeks ago what happened what do you think i just what wasn't interested he was moving from point a to point b he wasn't really interested he wasn't yeah. engaged with it and i also think we really set the bar pretty high with will myers and he was great this, yeah the, the preller. aj preller stuff i thought there was some stuff that we did that that raised the bar when we went out to peoria and, you know, I, I bet you I probably got a little frustrated with it. So it was a little bit me. Um, uh, but you know, I, I don't think you ever, I hope I, it's always a challenge. It's always a, a Rubik's Cube trying to figure out where you can go with an interview that's going to be good. 
you know, because yeah. you don't always know. And, and sometimes it could be somebody who you know really well and it just doesn't work the way you had hoped it would. I like taking unique routes, though. Yeah. I like getting them. You know why? Because, you know, these guys, they're all trained now. All the players and all the coaches, you know, they got a team full of people that train them to say nothing. So, hey, you know, I mean, I watch all these games just like you do. Yeah. Hey, what were you looking for? You know, on the 2-0 pitch. You know, hey, you hit a home run. What were you looking for there? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. What? I mean, <laughs> you know. Pitch I can hit? <laughs> pitch I couldn't hit? Well, I was just looking for something to drive. You Hot know what chick. I mean? Yeah. Chick. And, and it's the same Weed. shit all the time. So, you know, I like trying to, to you know, dive in and – um just at least get them talking about stuff that they haven't been trained to be boring about. You know, I think that that's, and I understand why they're boring because you're one wrong word away from being the next fucking yeah. guy in Deadspin. So I understand why you have people like, you know, Wayne Partello and the whole Padre PR staff who, who you know, want a chance to be around some of these guys yeah. to say, well, you know, this is probably what they're going to ask or that's probably what they're going to ask. And that's happening everywhere, every sport across the board. So I usually like just, just you know, trying to, trying to outthink what it was they prepared them for and ask something in, in a totally different direction. You know, it's funny. One thing about our show is I've always been proud of the fact we've never gotten you in that, that gotcha moment. When you mentioned Petros and Money, I didn't hear the interview, but I imagine it was something that was probably set Keenan Allen somewhere off and made him uncomfortable and was like, can I trust these guys? We seem to have a pretty good relationship the guys that continue to join us, I'm sure you've had the same thing, especially here in San Diego. But the the idea that guys come on and know, hey, we're going to try and give the audience something they might not know, make it interesting. It's not always easy to do. They have to be willing to play the game. As you mentioned, Hunter Renfro wasn't willing to play the game. But for us, we did something back on 1090 back in 2012 when we were there for a short time. We had Bud Black on every single week. And we love talking about Black and Bruce Bochy in the past and all those things that we've done. But Kim Reed crossed the hallway. Kim Morrison said, hey, can I ask one question to Bud Black? And we said, sure. And the question to <laughs> Bud Black was, hey, when Will Venable goes out and has a big hit, do you go to the mall the next day and buy him a shirt to say, hey, that was a great hit? <laughs> I thought it was so freaking funny. You know, it was, it, of course, it was ridiculous. And it was tongue in cheek and, and everything else. Well, you know, of course, Mike Shepard calls us in. What the fuck was that? You know, and never again do you stick around there. But Bud Black played along. Yeah. I mean, it showed you what kind of guy Bud Black is more than anything else. Forget about the dumb question that she knew was a dumb question, too, when she was just playing the game. It showed you Bud Black's a good guy. He has a sense of humor. It's a long season, the whole deal, and, and getting the most out of your players. And he turned it into a baseball thing. But management didn't care for it at all. But it was one of my favorite things that ever happened on the show. But management's got to stop gripping onto this, you know, 90s philosophy of sports talk radio you know these players now are all their own brands because of social media they all have thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers they don't need us anymore so if we keep asking them the same boring ass shit yeah then eventually they're just going to say well, i can just post this on facebook live i can post this on instagram yeah i don't really need to submit to the to doing this so you know if you're not going to i'm not saying you have to kiss their ass but if you're if you're not going to make it something that's going to be memorable to them, something that's going to stand out, then you're just gonna you're just gonna disappear in the wash, you know. Then then it's just what's the difference between you and the ten or fifteen reporters in San Diego that show up at your locker after a game? You know what can you ask that they're not going to be? I can hear guys sometimes like I I and I don't know how many people can hear this on the radio, but from time to time I can hear somebody sighing into the headphones, 
And, and that to me is mm-hmm. always a cue that like you've asked one of these lame cliche type questions. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to go out there. You know, the Brewers are a pretty good team and the Brewers, are good. you know, and you can just sort of tell you've asked, like you've hit, <laughs> you, yeah. you've hit that cliche. And, and I bet you buddy would remember that question about buying Will Venable a shirt to me. You know, I, I think you sort of, we have to change the game. You know, media is changing. I think that, that, you know, we need to change with it. You know, we can't just keep asking about the X's and O's and the mechanics of this and that and the other thing. You just, you know, that's, that's what they are constantly bombarded with. I would love to know what the answer was for that question. You know, like I'd love yeah. to know how somebody like Buddy handled that, you know, instead of just asking you know, standard stuff. You know, I, I love that sort of thing. We brought it up and, and it leads into another topic that I definitely want to get into you. Uh, I think Levitard, it. by the way, I, I don't know that Levitard's right for San Diego. Sorry yeah. to, to jump in. No, you're good. I don't know that Levitard's, what do you guys think of that show? I don't get to hear it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not an ego guy <laughs> yeah. and uh, ego's turning me off. I remember you think Jeff, he's got an ego. I think he has a tremendous ego. I remember Jeff and I were driving around in Phoenix a couple of years ago when the Super Bowl was the Patriot Seahawks, and we'd get done with our show when we were trying to find mm-hmm. yeah, yeah we try and find some kind of sports radio to listen to on the way back to the hotel, and the only one we could find was ESPN and Lebertard the whole time, the whole week. How cool he was because he didn't go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, everybody goes to the Super Bowl. And guess what? It's the biggest sports story of the year. I mean, it's the number one watched television show every year. You're too cool to, to get on a plane and come out to Phoenix. It's just like he's, the, he's, he's taking the yeah. anti-sports radio guy. Yeah, to I mean, a totally different. And just, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. This is the biggest thing in your business. But you're too cool, too cool to be part of it. And that that was a big turnoff for me. I, I like Stu Gotts. I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm willing. I like anyone that will do anything for the show. Kind of like you mentioned, Marnie. This Stu Gotts thing, shaving his head to look like Paul Feinbaum. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Couldn't believe that he would do it. But. But, uh, yeah, is he a talented guy? Yeah, he's a talented guy. But for me, it doesn't feel like San Diego at all. No, I, that's why I say I like the show. I don't know if the show's right for the market. I mean, and, and that's the, you know, it's one of the good things about our business is the market usually will, will tell you as best yep. it can, even in our imperfect and our ridiculously flawed methodology. But where I was going with that is like, he had Tim Kirchner on. Like, Tim Kirchner's going to give you relationship advice. Yeah. Tim Kirchner can get up there and he can tell you all about what Cal Ripken Jr. did. And he could tell you all about Brooks Robinson. And he could tell yeah. you, like, hey, nobody with 12 gold gloves has ever hit 220. You know? And all that's great. Like, there's a market for all that. That's what Tim Kirchner is. But I'm just sitting there going, Tim Kirchner's going to give you relationship advice? Right? What? <laughs> like, yeah. I've, I've got to hear what this is. Now, I, I don't know that three straight hours of that. I think in doses, it, it's been very good. It's been clever. But that's, to me, an example of, of, you know, maybe being different for the sake of being different. Maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe that's too much reinvention. But that's the type of question, do you buy Will Venable a shirt? Yeah. And there, there are certain programmers who are just going to say, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't, I, that, that's not where we're going with all this. But I do think that there's a little bit of, of room for, for more of, of not, you know, not again, not, not like goofy, uh, worthless stuff. Just stuff that's different, you know, just like late night television, yeah. stuff that's just different. Change it up. Yeah. Um, it's funny because quick on Kirkchen, I've been to Baltimore for three days in my life, but I can watch Scott Van Pelt <laughs> lay out Kirkchen yeah, with too. the Baltimore thing. Mm-hmm. I don't get the joke, but I love it because it lays Kirkchen out and it's so goddamn funny and I love it every time. I'm like, I don't get it. And r- to answer your question, 
uh, we saw Bud at Kevin's funeral and mentioned it to him, and he remembered it immediately and laughed about it. We'll get into Kevin Towers because that was good. But you talked about changing the game, and you were one of the first guys that I know locally that changed this element of the game, and it was pretty admirable because you were a solo guy. You were one of the first guys that really tapered away from taking phone calls. And you tapered away from taking phone calls, and it happened at a time before Twitter got to the level it is today. Funny, I'm driving around today, and I'm listening to, of all things, Leo, the tech guy. And, I don't know, just scanning, it came on. And this guy called in, and he said something that is a great reminder for me and for you and for Dave. I said, man, you know what, Leo? He said, I'm 55 years old, and he said, I've never called into a radio show, and I can't tell you how nervous I am. And Leo said, you know what? I've been on the air for 35 years. I only have called one other show, and I was with you. I was so nervous because we forget as a host. People get nervous, and we sit there. We're like, come on, move it along. Move it along. But you got away from it. The relationship between the audience and the host, the audience, and the show, social media now is nice because guys can write it and edit it. They didn't have that ability on the air. But describe it. What made you get away from saying, yeah, you know, we're going to open it up and we're going to take calls. What, what was it in you that said, no, you know what? I'm confident enough in what I do as an entertainer that we can keep this show moving. Well, I probably took it further than I had planned on it at first. You know, at first it was just, I don't want to be caller dependent. You know, I just don't want to, I don't ever want to get to a point where I show up and I think that, well, I'm just going to take calls. You know, like, like. Hexa. He needs his callers as his co-host. It's his yeah. oxygen, sure. Yeah. You know, and if and he doesn't was, have them, he well, screams out, will you check the phone lines? Mike, Mike Francesa. <laughs> you know, yeah. That I grew up who who I wanted to be when I was driving back and forth to college. That's, you know, that's, that's sort of what got me hooked in the radio, the same way people on the West Coast got hooked in the hacksaw, right? And you're right. You know, I, I didn't want, I just didn't, I don't feel like it's my job to turn my show over to other people. You know, I just feel like, oh, I get paid and you know, they ask me to do something and deliver something for three hours and that you should be the, you know, more than just the primary more than just the traffic cop on that show. Um, you know, and, and then I would say I probably, I, I wouldn't mind taking calls. Like I, I would like to do it if it were, you know, Peter and Point Loma, if it were some of those. Yeah. Some of the legendary guys, if you knew, you know, that that, that call screening was was. Uh, Did you ever get the scientific? mayor? The mayor in Poway? Did he ever call you? Yeah. Darren? Yeah. I want to talk about the great Diana Nyad. <laughs> How come nobody talks women's soccer? I love you. And did he hit Marty up for, Marty, do you have Globetrotter tickets for my nephews? <laughs> the mayor was just the greatest, Stephen man. Stephen Lake Elsinore. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there are some guys that Chicho, are really uh, now fun. Carlos and Point Loma. You know, some of those, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I guess I just also noticed that it was the industry. You know, the industry yeah. was changing. You know, you guys do a, a killer podcast. You know, the, none of these podcasts have time for that. You might interact. You might pick up questions on social media. Sure. You put that out all week. You have a mailbag. You do whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think that once we got a little bit more sophisticated with data, 
And, and you know, for again, as, long, as flawed as the methodology is for, for tracking radio ratings, and even as much as it's getting a little bit diluted how important they are with digital and digital consumption and podcasting, right? I, you know, it just sort of, um, it, it seemed like they were becoming less important, you know, and, and the more you paid attention to what was going on in the industry, less and less people were doing it. And, uh, it, you know, people thought it was personal, like, oh, you don't, you know, you don't have respect. Like it really had nothing to do with that. Very few people, your callers are not your audience. Your callers yeah. are your callers. You know, it's something that Mike Frances always said, you, your callers are your callers. It's not your audience. It doesn't represent your audience. And it's such a small percentage of mm. the people who are listening. So to, to, you know, to turn your show over, even in small periods of time to, uh, to such a small percentage of your listenership, it just seems like in, in this day and age of hyper competitive, uh, of a hyper competitive business, where people have so many different options, not only AM, FM, podcasting, downloads, satellite, radio, everything else that, that they could possibly consume. It just, you know, it seems like it's, it's a risk that I'm not sure it's worth taking on a, on a regular basis. Trust me, I, you know, it has nothing to do. It would be a lot easier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me, it would make my oh, life sure. so much ha- easier. Yeah, it's doing half the show. It's cutting I mean, your show from three hours to an hour and a half. I mean, my you know, throat feels it at the yeah. end of the week, you know, when you just sit and you talk and I get it. Like sometimes you do, you know, you feel like you drone on a little bit, but it's hit and miss. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. And there are times yeah. where Jeff and I would take a call and I'm thinking, oh man, we didn't miss there. That was, that was good for the conversation. It helped the conversation. Hello? And then sometimes they are right. Well, we'd go to a break and Jeff would go, fuck that guy. <laughs> Never <laughs> and and, and we, we'd have a little disagreement. Like I, I thought one of the funniest things ever was, Vera, and it was only good if Jeff was talking to Vera. Right, but Jeff didn't want to talk to Vera every day. But it, it, the audience loved it. They all loved waiting for her to sit there and say her whatever she's going to say, and for the magic, beat it. It was funny, and I'm sorry, Dan, yeah. but it, it's going back to Dan's show. I, I love Dan's show. I think it's good, but the best and worst of the week is so lazy to me. Oh. I'm like, dude, we don't need 40 guys doing this. Give find three guys that yeah. you like, but but to continue doing it over and over. And uh, every now and then on 1360, you'll hear a guy, Kevin and La Mesa, that Dave and I, absolutely, we owe this entire audience an apology. I heard him one time in the car. I was ready to fucking drive into the (laughs) Tijuana River. And I was like, oh, my God, we used to put this asshole on all the time. Yeah, you get it. You get it. But I also think that we have to always remind ourselves of the conversation that we heard on the tech show, or I heard, where a guy goes, dude, I'm so nervous. I've never done this. And the host's going, yeah, man, I've done it. I, um, you ever called a show? Did oh, yeah. Call in? Oh, who'd yeah. You, who'd you call into? Well, last time I called in, I called in. in uh, I once crank called uh, Vascursion. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah, I forgot what was going on. We was like early, early on, like 04. And Billy and I had to be somewhere downtown at Peco Park. You know, they were opening up Peco, yeah. and they asked the 1090 people to be there. So we had to get a bunch of fill-ins. And I called, and... Uh, yeah, if you put on a fake voice and I said to Vaskersian, hey, is it true? Does Mark Grant smell like a dead animal in the morning when you guys wake up next to each other? Whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Coming out. Hot. Yeah. And, you know, and he laughed about it. And it got out on the air and all that sort of stuff. But, like, I, when I was, yeah, when I was younger, I, I called the Mike and the Mad Dog show a couple of times. Um, Were you nervous? Yeah. I mean, when you hear, when the, the call gets patched through, yeah. and you can hear yeah. that noise. It's like having a spotlight on you. It's it's, yeah. it's like ha- it's being at the comedy store. Yeah, you know it's it's your moment. It's your karaoke 
point, you know, and, and it's that sound that I always think about when you get patched through and you can hear your call get popped up. It's like a quick white noise. And and at first you're like, you know, and they say, well, let's, you know, let's go Jeff and Lamay. And, and you lose a little yep. for a second. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, you just, Hey yeah. guys, how you doing? What, you know, what should I say? Should I go? And, and, you know, yeah, like that, just go. I call, I think a couple times on the, the Knicks, you know, awesome. something like that. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to hear what they had to say. Cause that was, you know, that was the team I loved more than anything else was, was the New York Knicks. So I used to call when it was the fucking bulls and the Knicks and the Knicks were getting their asses kicked. Yeah. You know, and say, Oh, well, why isn't Riley, you know, starting Greg Anthony and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, then a time or two, like Steve Summers, you know, the name yeah, Steve sure. I called his show a couple times and, um, I mean, it was a it was a blast. That's how we met Marty. Marty was yeah. a caller to Hank's show. Oh, she I, was great. Was went that when she wanted KT fired? I, I don't remember that. <laughs> we always we always bring that up with her. Yeah, she called her right? and said Kevin Tower should be fired. I think it was the Woody Williams trade or something. But uh, you you bring him up and uh, and Dave and I talked about it. You uh, you did a really nice thing and and got us. Uh, into that party, which was great to see Theo and Boach and so many guys and Barry Axelrod. Dave and I have talked a lot on this podcast about what he meant to us, what Boach meant to us, what what Kevin meant to us as young guys coming in. I mean, he really wasn't that much older than us at that time, but it was such a different time. There was a respect between media and the team, team and the media, we honored it. We 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 respected that they thought that way of us. But as a guy, Darren, for you, because as you're cutting your teeth, to have a guy like him, what did that mean to your career, both professionally, personally, to have a guy like Kevin Towers cross paths with you? Well, we all get into this business thinking we know everything, right? Mm. Like, you know, we're all big yeah. sports fans and we – can tell you who the starting lineup was from, you know, 84 Padres or, you know, whatever, like whatever our, our thing was. And then uh, when you start working with people, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like when you started working around professional athletes, you'd be like, holy, I don't know shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything yeah. at all. You know, and I, I, that really, you know, I worked with, with Dibble and some of, uh, some former athletes at ESPN, but I never really, worked with athletes until I worked with Flannery and Randy Jones on the BP show. And so for as smart as you think you are, because you can, you have recall and you can remember stuff cause, cause you know, we all can talk stats and all that sort of stuff. You don't have a clue what's happening yeah. down there on the field. Like you have no idea at all. And listening to those stories from Flan and Randy sort of made me realize I don't know anything. And so back to KT that's where I then started talking on the radio and would go talk to him because I, I needed to talk yeah. to him. I needed to talk to him. I needed to talk to Bochi. Not because I needed to just say everything that they told me on the air, but because I have questions. Hey, why'd you do this? Why were you, why'd you pinch hit Eric Young in this situation? Why did you, wh where did you get this third catcher from? And that KT didn't have to talk to a peon who had just been thrust onto the radio with Bill Werndell when Steve Mason decided he was leaving and going to Los Angeles on a Sunday night. Hey, you got to be on the air tomorrow with Philly Billy. That was, that was my situation. And that he actually took the time to 
listen to the questions and, and answer them and then talk off the air. And if you had a question where you can call mm-hmm. and say, hey, KT, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not asking you for a scoop here. I'm not asking to break news. I just need to know how to explain this to the audience. You know, I, 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 I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say in this situation. Yeah. You know, uh, situation like Rob Beck. You know, Rob Beck. Why? Why is? What am I supposed to say? Like, how? How can I help explain this on the air? And and he never said no. Now I don't know yeah. that he was always 100 percent truthful because <laughs> you know, sure. he couldn't be yeah. in his situation. He couldn't be. But he would say, "Hey, listen, this is off the record. This is what we're going to do. Well, you know, just this is so so you can properly explain it a little bit better." And that works for everybody. That works for me because now I'm, I have information and I'm prepared to go on the radio. And it works for the audience because yes. now at least they don't have to agree with, well, this is what the Padres are thinking in making this move. Yeah. And they can go, well, you know, that, that's not a good move. Or that's okay. That's a good move. I can buy that sort of stuff. And he sort of understood that. Like, he understood that. And I'm sure this was, was for you guys as well, that you guys communicated, not spin, but you communicated right or wrong to the audience, to the fan base. Yeah. And I think he valued that. Like, I don't think he just said, no, that's, that's, that's worthless bullshit. I think he actually understood, you know, that, that explaining stuff to people like us meant that it was going to get explained to the people who go to the games. And that was a good thing for all of us. And, and what people also don't understand, Jeff used to say this all, all the time too. And I, I was on board with this you have a relationship you're the Padre station you know you both have the same interests you can't make each other look bad you don't want them to embarrass you make you look bad you don't want to embarrass them make them look bad you want them to continue coming back like Kevin did over and over he did it for you he did it for us I find my, myself as a sports fan I'm always looking for something I don't know because we've been doing it so long and we've had inside information from people that most people don't get a chance to talk to I, I say this all the time because I, I coach baseball. I said, look, I've been to the doctor 100 times in my life. I'm not ready to practice medicine tomorrow. Yeah. You talk to anyone who's been to five baseball games, they're all experts. Right. You know. But there's so many things that you pick up once in a blue moon. You go, man, I didn't even know that. I've been a fan my whole life, and I didn't know that. I didn't know until two days ago that with the whole cybermetrics guys in baseball that you bat your two best hitters in the two spot and the four spot. I thought that was so strange that that's what the computer tells you to do. What happened to the three spot? You know, when we were all growing up, you, you bat your best hitter in the three spot. Well, that that's out according to these analytic guys. So it, it's you, you learn something all the time, and something I'm sure your relationship, even with AJ, would tell you. This is what the computer's telling me, and you relay it to the audience on why you know the, Andy Green makes his lineup out a certain way with what we have. Mm-hmm. And well, that's the thing. I mean, to be approachable, and maybe this is unique to San Diego. You know, this is this is the market where we've all worked. Yep. But you know that I can. Just say, hey, I, I need three minutes of your time off the air for a second. Explain what's happening here. Yeah. Help me out because I've, I've got to – I don't know that I'm going to buy it, but I just got to hear it just so I can help explain it. And that for the most part, people will take the time to do that in a market like San Diego because, again, I think it's respect to the fan base that they, they want the message getting out there. You know, they, they you know, want to at least explain it, give you a little bit of insight, treat it fairly. Let's all talk about it. That's one of the great things about Buddy. You yeah. know, Buddy used to say, you know, Buddy used to, <laughs> fucking Buddy, he used to call <laughs> me during a pregame show. He'd call me on the, during a commercial break. And he'd go, what are you saying about Chase Hadley batting third? To your point, I'd say, well, I don't think Hadley's a three hitter. And you go, well, what are you saying on the radio? Then all of a sudden I walk into the clubhouse and now I got people saying that you're saying this and that and the other. 
they'd call me. I'm in a commercial break. Yeah. And I'd say, well, I think you're making a mistake. You know, you're putting Headley out there. You go, well, fuck, who do you want to put in that lineup? You know, you come down here and you make the lineup then. <laughs> and then he'd hang up the phone and he'd get. <laughs> but, he'd, great but, with that but he always yeah. used to say, like, Buddy always used to say, I'm sure you said this to you, and Boach used to say this. Hey, I, I appreciate that we're all passionate about baseball. Yeah. I appreciate that we can all be passionate about <laughs> yeah. these sports. And there's a way to do it. It's not personal. You know, and 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 I always like I always love that. And that was the same thing with KT. Like I remember one time it was just an interview where I you know, I knew I was getting the runaround. And like he he like he got the closest I ever heard to hanging up the phone. He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I told you I am not talking about that. <laughs> And then, of course, we were doing the show, and I had to go down the field afterwards. And there's yeah. KT on the field. He goes, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, he throws his hands up in the air, and he just gives me this look. He stops in his track. He goes, what the fuck? You know? And I was just like, dude. And, and he was all good. He's know? great. Like, he was just all good. But, you know, like, it, it doesn't always have to be adversarial. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, there are times where we're all, you know, we have to, you know, we've got to give our opinions that, that are critical of the club, you know, where you got to push. Yeah. And and you've got to say no. That answer's not good enough. I need a little bit more here. But you know, it's it's the guys like KT who don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, who can look at you and just go, "Come on, That's, what are you yeah. doing?" You know, like those are the guys that that you remember. And he helped me. Like he he just helped me a lot because he ne- he never had to do it. You know, he just didn't have to do it with me. He could have done it with with anybody else. Uh, and that he did. I truly you know appreciated and felt. You felt very honored. That's you know that was it, it's that's great. what made it so sad with yeah you know, being there at the celebration of life. We said it, you know. I I lost count how many times because he was so superstitious, and we would be in that booth right to the left of Jerry, and he would just come in and be like, boom, boom, come on, let's go, get out of here, get out, and we'd have all our <laughs> stuff laid out. And I said to him one time, he'd kick me out. This was like the fifteenth time he'd kick me out. And I said to him, I go, you know, the whole football side's wide open. Well, you're going to be really goddamn comfortable down there. Get it, get it. <laughs> and uh, I just, I loved it. And uh, and he would do the, the routine was so funny. I mean, we said this shortly after he passed. You know, that, that'd be a Wednesday night. And we'd see him Thursday day game. He'd always be sad guy. Hey. You could be out here Sunday. I'm like, yeah, I gotta do that horseshit show. <laughs> well, come on up. I'll we'll get some fish tacos. And, and I was like, dude, you can kick me out and tell me get the fuck out of here, because if it means two hours to bullshit with a baseball GM and Freddie Ullman Jr. and a young Theo Epstein, I'm like, this is the greatest trade ever for a guy. Um, I, I'm telling you the thing that's going to be the takeaway on this is so many different things. I'm so glad you said that about Bud because I think Bud is one of the most misunderstood guys in this town. And I love the fact that you shared that, that he would say, Hey, fuck you. You know, basically, Hey, fuck you. Shut during, up. During a commercial break. The yeah, BP a commercial show. break. Shut up. You see the phone would be Bud Black. You go, what, you go, what the fuck yeah. are you saying? <laughs> Yeah. So great. <laughs> it's so great because he's such a good guy. And it leads into this because we're going to, we're going to, well, at least my, I got two things I want to cover with you. You've been here a long time, but it's been great. Um, I definitely want to talk to you about what the experience was like hosting with Philly Billy as a young guy, such a, such a iconic guy in this town. But when you talk about Kevin 
And when you said not truthful, I think you'd agree. But he never intentionally sandbagged anybody, no, right? No, no, no. No. He just couldn't say certain things, you know. There was a team here that, that intentionally sandbagged people, and that was the Chargers. And, you know, Dave and I have said about days we were on the air, and, I mean, goddamn, we were on the air 9-11, Columbine, other days we were on. We were also lucky enough to do postgame shows in 98. But we were not on the air. There was no podcast. There was no Dave and Jeff show the day they moved. And you talked about the callers and everything else. We had talked about it personally. Dave and I had talked about it. We all we all knew this was coming. It felt like the Austin Powers scene standing in front of the steamroller that was coming. <laughs> yep. But but when when Dave and I would say it, people would be like, oh, enough with the scare tactics. Shut up. And it it just it was so heartbreaking because you knew it was coming, but then that Schefter tweet came out. For you as a guy who had established strong roots in this town, walk me through that period. Walk me through when you see the Schefter tweet, when all of a sudden we go, God dang, it is reality. And knowing that tomorrow there are going to be a lot of people tuning in at 12 noon uh, to hear uh where do we go from here as a community, as a sports town, but really more as a community? What was that like for you? And, and for those days, where do they rank in memorable shows for you? Well, for as prepared as we all were, mm-hmm. I don't, I still felt unprepared that day. You know, for as much as you, you braced for it, and you're right, because so many people said, stop, you're doing their work, you're doing their bidding and all that stuff. I said, no, like, you know, try to leave. Rams left. Yeah. You know, this is this is reality. So the Schefter tweet comes out. I guess that would have been a Sunday. Sound, sound right? They and announced I, it on. I know the date. They announced it, it on. They announced it on January twelfth. Is when they announced it on twenty seventeen. Whatever the day was, yeah. I, yeah. I got a message from KUSI. You know, don't you always love that when you're a radio guy yeah. and they call and like, hey, radio guy, come on television. You go rifling through your closet to find something yeah. respectable to wear. <laughs> You know, yeah, bitching about the dry cleaning bill the whole time. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, there was still that. There was still that. People were in such denial that there was still that element of no way. This is this is just this isn't real. The team hasn't confirmed it. Team hasn't confirmed anything yet. And uh, I got invited to go on KOSI the next day. And uh, I was pulling in the driveway. You guys have been. Mm-hmm. And as I was parking my car, I looked and I just checked Twitter before I was going to go inside. And I saw the Charger tweet that said, you know, we're gone. And I, I swear to God, like, I, 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 I actually got tears in my eyes. Like, I, and I'm not a, I don't yeah. even really like the NFL. Like, I didn't like it then. I, really, I obviously don't like it now. You know, I didn't grow up here. I didn't, I didn't grow up like a lot of people in this town having memories of going to the game with my dad. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any of that. I just knew, you know, the, the proverbial mushroom cloud had just, this was the bomb. Like it just dropped. Cause you get, I, I believe that the Schefter tweet was going to be accurate, mm-hmm. but you just, you know, there just was enough of a sense of denial around the market that you at least had to be thorough and thinking about it 360 degrees that maybe, you know, maybe, and then that tweet, just being outside of KUSI, I just I remember like my eyes welled up because I, I just knew how many devastated people there were going to be in town, yeah. 
And I knew that it, everything from here on out changed Mm. everything. And that you, it was going to take who knows how much time before the city recovered from the fans, you know, selfishly was I thinking about what I meant for sports talk radio, probably a little bit, but that wasn't the emotional part of it. That was, that was the logical part. Logically, what am I going to do here? You know, what the hell, like what is sports radio going to look like in this market? But that wasn't the the predominant opinion or uh, emotion. It was really, it it was genuine sadness for all the people who I had spoken to who had, gone to great lengths to be very personal about like, I want to take my kids to watch Mm -hmm. because that's what my dad did with me and telling and opening up their hearts, you know, and talking about what this fucking pro football team meant to them, you know, like, like, and it's crazy that we all allow this stuff to happen. Like we allow these teams to, to infiltrate our heart this way. And I just knew, I just knew that the the repercussions were going to be massive. Even that being said, I didn't know they were going to be that massive. I I, I didn't know it was, I, I still, I think every single one of us and anybody who tells you they didn't underestimate the impact is full of shit. Yeah. I think we no all doubt. underestimated what the impact was going to be of that team leaving this market after 50. What has amazed me the most about them leaving is that, as I said, we talked about it a lot, like, Hey, this is what's happening. We knew what the charger financial situation was. We knew what was going to happen. They were kind of their choice of, of the direction they had to go. If they had, I mean, wanted to maintain ownership of the team, but that's how they gave me the name El Diablo. You know, it's like, oh, you're, you're, you're the bad guy in this whole situation. What I give credit to the San Diego sports fans to, and this is going back to you when I gave you the compliment earlier about you and Cilio, is I'm amazed how many people are diehard sports fans, diehard NFL fans that said, fuck the Chargers yep. and fuck the NFL. And they really have not picked another team. That, hey, you know, we, we don't want to talk NFL anymore. The Padres are what we have, and this is what we're going to focus on, what we have that is San Diego. That whole loyal to the soil, so many people weren't just bullshitting us. They're, they're, they're dead serious on that. Yeah, I thought that had a timeline for a lot of people. Maybe it has. But that, that's the way I would have been. You know, and that's the way I'm inclined to be. I'm inclined to say, fuck the NFL. After what that – because let's, let's remember, this – was it unilateral for Dean? Sure. Mm. Did he fuck up for, for the last 14, 15 years, not establishing a single valuable relationship in this town? You know, would Jerry Jones, from, yeah. from a relationship yeah. standpoint, from a financial standpoint, maybe he would have moved the club. But if, he, if Jerry Jones was determined to get something done, a private-public partnership, do you think he would have done it in San Diego? Of course he would have. So, of course, this is, this is Dean, but it was also the NFL because they fucking made it easy for the guy, you know? Yeah. They basically just just grew the carrot the incentive for him to go they made it easier they gave him a hundred percent of the the decision to go when he did they paved the road for him and that's the way i am that's 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 i know that's the way i would be if i had grown up a lifelong fan of that team but uh in our situation can you get away with that being a sports radio host i still think that's debatable are you supposed to completely ignore the nfl just because they, you know, or are you supposed to talk about the NFL just because it does pretty well television rating wise? Because people still watch it on a Sunday because they have fantasy teams, they're gambling or they're doing whatever they're doing. People haven't totally, you know, it's, it's, we're still, I think, stuck in this area of you can't do anything right. You know, everything yeah. you do is yeah. wrong no matter what. Every time, I will tell you this though, consistently, every single time I mention Chargers, that word on the radio, I will get pushback on Twitter. Yeah. I will get email, why are you talking about this? stop with that team 
does that mean we shouldn't talk about the NFL draft? Should we only talk about the NFL draft if it's Rashad Penny? Yeah. Should we talk, you know, like we're still in this, in this, this gray area here where nothing, we don't know that anything we're doing is right. We don't know that anything we're doing is wrong. All I can tell you is this. I much would rather have taken our approach than taken a 1360 approach. Terrible. Um, I, I mean, that's, I, I, uh, they, or the UT. Yeah. With, with Kraz, who I mean, continues to write things that I feel like you're trolling the market. And everything. I mean, he wrote about the NCAA tournament and somehow tied it to the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. About whether San Diego State basketball realizes the gift that the Chargers gave them by leaving the market. You're sitting there going, well, Kraz, what, Come what are on, you talking man. about? And man? I love him. Great dude. I've known him yeah, longer than anybody in the media, but he's he not been trolling. the same at all. No. He's not been the same at all. I think our buddy John Gennaro said, he goes, you know, since they left, Kraz just like wanders around town mumbling, you know, about yeah. the Chargers. So, you know, I don't I, – we don't cover them. I haven't had Phillip Rivers on since they left. I mean, yeah. except for the day after the – Sure. You know, to what's your reaction to, to relocation. We haven't done Charger interviews. Um, you know, again, Marty still goes, and nobody should hold that against her. You know, no. She realizes that there is – some appetite for that content, whatever you want to say about those people with that appetite, it, it does exist <laughs> in some capacity. And what she's doing is digital, yeah, which means that it has a much wider range than just yeah. the San Diego market. So I will defend her and, and her decisions to go up there and to continue to cover the team. But I, I still don't know. I, I know the right thing to do is not to, to treat the Chargers like they're the home team anymore. Yeah, Rivers, Gates, I think that there's still – some level of attachment for those two, mm -hmm. but not the team. Yeah. And, you know, if it were 1,000% my own selfish decision and not dictated by being a sports radio host, I would do even less NFL than I'm currently doing. And I really don't do much at all, except to, you know, make it clear that I'm making yeah. fun of it and I don't fucking care about it. But, yeah. you know, that, that sort of existed when they were here. It just happened to have been our bread and butter. See, the NFL for me allowed me to do all the other stuff I wanted to do. Yeah. Talking about the NFL is what I had to do because it let me talk about baseball, because it let me talk about college football, let me do all that other stuff. So, you know, now with them gone, again, we're, we're all just trying to figure out, you know, what the proper approach is. I, I, I remember my emotions after it because we had started saying we saw the path being cleared going back to, to 2002 when we met Fabiani and then in four and seven and, and to 1090 and, and continuing to say it. And I remember in the early podcast, there was this whole attitude that we had that was like, because it's like, you feel like I, I goddamn told you, I told you and you told me this and this and this. And then one day, and I, I said on the air, I'm like, Okay, well, big deal. I told you. Fuck me. Shut up. You know what? What do you want? You were right. Great. It doesn't. It doesn't change the emotion. And I started to finally figure out. Okay, big fucking deal. We're right. It doesn't change that people are devastated by what happened. And it just was like I just remember. And and you know, my kids at Charger Park. My kids are eight. They love or, or were eight at the time. Now they're ten. They love the NBA. But. They would they would have loved the NFL. You know, my my kids are sports fans. They dig the Padres. And I think what's magnified about Dean and how inept he was is when you look at Ron Fowler 
Because had Kevin Klein been part of a charger station, we don't have Dean Spanos immediately come on with Woods and Ben. Now, now Woods completely softballed that interview, and he should be ashamed of himself. And I know that he's going to listen to this whole thing because he said fuck you to me on Twitter the other day. So, <laughs> so it's just me screwed with Steve. It's just it's, it's a, my second fucking day. Yeah, we gave, we gave a hard time. And that's that's nothing more than an Easter egg for my boy Woods. No, I'm kidding. Um, there's no way Dean's on talking about it candid there's no way dean's you know what i i I, 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 the only thing i'll say dean is probably not on just like darren just said but someone from the chargers has to step up because junior Seau committed suicide no but i'm saying someone's fighting in that organization i doubt it wow ag doesn't have the the wherewithal to do that you couldn't throw an easier softball and had to do the right thing stood up look at what ron did while personally, I wish the video board in right field was as big as the ad to the left of it, still, it's a start. The, the improvements they consistently make, and you go, okay, this is a guy who gets it. We need to – when Pete Seidler, somebody tweeted out the other day, they emailed – Oh, my gosh. That Pete wrote and said, I've been directly affected by suicide, and I, you go, okay. Yeah. I love the – fuck, can we please just drop the concern about brown versus blue and be thankful that finally in – our time here in San Diego, we have ownership that gets it. We'll figure out the uniforms later. Let's embrace these guys and tell them thank you for the client, for the improvements, and for everything else they've done. And you go, shit, this is just, okay, we got guys that are going to get us out of this hole, and they're named Pete Seidler and Ron Fowler, and we should be incredibly thankful for them. But goddamn, Darren, it's like uh, you go by there, man. You go by Chargers Park. I, I'll still swing by there. Me too. And the, it way, breaks, the Ways app had, sends me down that road all the time. And, and it break. It literally is a guy who was a Raider fan from within two weeks when he got to San Diego. I was a Raider fan because I have an older brother who said, look, we either are going to cheer for Lyle Alzado and Marcus Allen and Lester Hayes or we're going to cheer for guys like Laz and Lyndon King. And I go, I, and I've, sh- I've I said, for guys with yellow pants. And I've said this to Laz forever. Yeah. Hank knew it forever. I was a Raider fan. I cheered against that team. I can't tell you the sick feeling I get because you understand it. Dave understands it. Even though I wasn't a, a, a particular fan of the team, I loved Rivers. I loved Weddle. I loved Rodney Jr. All the different guys that when you pulled in there, you knew you were going to have fun. You knew you were going to do three hours of radio that was going to be fun. Um, McCoy or Norv or Mike Riley or anybody else that came by, AJ was funny at those days. And when I drive by there and I go, God damn, man, those days are, are not going to happen not just for me and for Dave, but they're not going to happen for Darren, and they're not going to happen for the next wave of the guys who are fortunate enough to do what we do. I go, that just sucks. It just sucks. It sucks that my kids don't have a local NFL team. And it could have been handled so much different. Yeah, no, I, I, I apologize. I've done it. I go, I was so concerned about me that I forgot about you as an audience. And, and I get it. And it just, it sucks, man, the whole thing. You know, there were fans. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Like we, you know, we want to lecture them because, you know, because they allow themselves to believe that maybe some miracle could happen. With it's going to be okay. You know, at the end, it's going to, the good guy is going to win in the end. You know, it's that guy who, you know, your team's getting pummeled. You're down 40 in the fourth quarter and the guy's still sitting there cheering. Cause he thinks, you know, maybe this is sure. the day that they come back. Yeah. Maybe something happens here. That's unforeseen. Maybe there's some miracle. Maybe somebody comes swooping in. Maybe the NFL puts its foot down. 
Yeah. There's still people out there today who think that the NFL is going to tell them to retreat and come back to San Where are they going to play? They're coming back They're anytime coming back. soon. You know, we kept you here almost two hours, but I do have a question for you. The San Diego Padres off to an 0-3 start. I can't tell you how badly I wanted them to at least win one of the first two because right. Andy Green has never been 500 or above. And, and I said, man, if you just could just win the first one. If, okay, we don't win the first one, win the second one. At least say you're 500. But we all know they're going in the right direction. I, I'm one of these guys who believes in the process. Jeff's 100% there with the process. How many years do you think we're looking at and say, okay, the San Diego Padres, not only do we think we make the playoffs, but they can make a World Series run. In all, all sincerity, as a sports fan, where do you think the Padres are from what you know? How far away are we? Two or three. Two or three two or years, three. I would say. Something like that. I mean, Because... You know, it's one thing to, you know, it's one thing to get to the big leagues, right? But then you also got to take your lumps in the big leagues yeah. for a little while. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, he, Clayton Kershaw took his lumps in the big leagues. Yeah. So, you know, there's getting to the big leagues like Joey Lucchese, the first. And then it's learning how to become a big league yeah. pitcher, which is another year or two. But I'm with you. Like, I, I, I found myself for all the expectation that was the 25-man opening day roster, I found myself totally geeking out Sunday. Uh, totally. Looking at the fucking uh, San Antonio Missions roster and the Fort Wayne roster and, like, those guys from, from uh, Mad Friars. Or Elsinore. Elsinore's We're roster. We were talking about it before you walked in. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm, I'm just some of those names that are going to go to Elsinore. Yeah. Now they're a million miles away from the big leagues, which I get it. Like, we're talking about the big leagues. But organizationally, that that's your point. Like, I'm really excited to see where all these different players are going to shake out, track them, follow them. But I, I think realistically, it's still still a couple of years away. I mean, Preller says, and I, you know, if he's the right guy, this is, you know, this is now his time. This is his time to shine, right? He says elite tra- elite talent travels quickly. That's his line. So we'll see. Lucchese, we'll see by the end of the year. Yeah. Urias, maybe a Tatis, maybe yeah. another pitcher, maybe somebody else. We'll start seeing that sooner rather than later. You know, we're we're sort of out of the planning phases for AJ Preller at this point. You know, sort of the the labor pain. Show me the baby thing. Yeah. You know, we're we're sort of in our final trimester with him like let's let's see it but i i still think it's a little ways away but it's fun darren at elsinore when you go uh you know you're gonna see gore there mm-hmm. this year uh you know you're gonna see morion chris paddock is the guy that paddock. i love paddock i love that trade that they made to get paddock uh jorge is gonna be out there and we've never had that where it is starting to be the waves of guys because when i went last year uh, Luke Casey was there. Lauer was there. And Quantrill was the opening was day there. starter in Lake Elsinore. It's last unbelievable. Year, Joey Casey. Yeah. And now, and and we went up. I wanted to see Eric Lauer. And the guys up there were like, dude, come up and see. And you know who it was? Uh, it was John Conniff, who has been great to us and, and great to you, I know, as well. I found him through your show. Mad Friars to me. I love those guys. Mm-hmm. And because now you want to follow, like you said, I have a buddy. We're going up uh, April 12th. And and the storm is so brilliant. You can get two tickets for opening night for ten bucks. Then <laughs> just go sit down the third baseline. You have a couple of beers because you know. Okay, this is so much different than before. Dave mentioned it. We've been here a long time. You've been great. But well, I'll I, tell you though, the most fun I've had in this job was when the Padres are in the postseason. Right. Yeah, it wasn't absolutely. the Chargers. It no. was you know, and and that's that's just personal preference. But I've never had more fun. 
than when the Padres were in the postseason. Yeah, so great. Then, and you guys, you guys had the games. We right? had the games, so we did the. You know, that part of that was you're doing the post game clubhouse. Yeah. You know? So yep. you're in the middle Champagne. of all that. Like, awesome. who in our business doesn't ever want to be a part of that at some point? But even were as, you afraid of taking a cork in the eye? Uh, well, I didn't get the goggles. You know, I was yeah. afraid of taking the uh, tequila in the face. Yeah. Remember that first year with oh, Robert God, Fick man. when he was pouring it over Bochy's head <laughs> while he was doing an interview? So, uh, yeah, you are a little, because it's total chaos in there. Gong show. But uh, that that's the most fun I've ever had was when the Padres were in the postseason. There's nothing like, you know, it was nothing you know, in terms of interest charger-wise. Sure. But the most fun personally I've ever had was being around the park, seeing the ESPN people come in. Yeah. Even even game one sixty three in Colorado, man, I oh, tell you, it's fucking incredible. Just knowing and, and getting text messages from people in San Diego that said, "Oh, the gas lamp, every place in the gas lamp's got people in it. People are watching the game. Yeah. People are going into extra innings with it." You know, that was the most fun professionally I've I've had. Period across the board in twenty almost twenty years of doing this. Nineteen ninety eight game one, which was so fun to hear Cashman right. admit it. The post-game show that night, Dave and I had been literally two months on the air, and we're doing the post-game show that night, and it was so, because that's my team. That that I was not a Charger fan, but Costa says whatever. A team gets in your heart when they're 13. I don't hide it. That's my team. They have been my team more so than the Twins or Vikings, even the Raiders or anybody else. For whatever reason, that is my go-to team. So here I am in 98 and I'm hosting it and I'm freaking nuts. I can't believe what happened. And I'm not even close to as mad. But when you have that opportunity to come out and say, wait a minute, hang on, what happened here? And luckily the audience understood, oh yeah, these guys, there's no, like, I think they believed we were Charger fans for a while, but they knew we were we were Padre guys. It was it was just awesome. I I am fascinated by this element, and it may be a perfect way to wrap up. I was lucky because the one guy I started with is a guy I've been working with for twenty years. It'll be twenty in August. We've had an incredible time. But hey, he's a good guy. Don't judge it. <laughs> this dog's upset because my wife put that food on the table and she keeps looking at it. Uh, well, I thought she was upset that I complimented you. Sugar Dave's dog is like bullshit. Don't eyeball me. You came in, and, and the show that you started with was with Bill Warrendell. Now, my only uh, – David and I know Billy, but Palais did one of the funniest things I've ever seen in regards to Warrendell. We were at Petco Park. The press box is three rows. There's the front row where the 1090 guys used to always sit, the middle row where we were, and then the back row, which is Fox Sports San Diego. I don't know why those guys are delegated to the worst seats in the press box, but I think it's great. <laughs> so Dave and I are sitting there, and Warndell is in the front, and he was sitting with, I think, Steve Hartman. And Bill is talking very loud about his friendship with Dick Vermeil. And all of a sudden, Palais, just like Jack Ruby, just randomly comes out of the crowd and goes, hey, Bill, turn it off, okay? <laughs> Bill, turn it off. You're not on the air right now. And I was just like, oh, my God. I don't know how many people remember. I think a lot of people remember. Oh, sure. Your first show was working with Warndell. That experience, what was it like as a host? Could you 
ask for a bigger character than that? Because <laughs> right? you think that was just the press box? Yeah. Where he's telling a story about Chuck Begnerick? Yes. That was every airport. That was every appearance. That was every uh, time somebody would walk into the halls. That was Bill. That was Philly <laughs> yeah. Billy. That was that voice cranked up no matter where we were, what we were doing, 24 hours a day. Nobody, nobody loved it more than Philly Billy. Yeah. You know, nobody loved that moment more than Billy. Yeah. Billy used to walk in. I'm telling you, he used to walk in. We used to go take flights or we'd be at OG's doing yeah. one of these appearances. And he just loved being Philly Billy. Like he just, he would talk loudly enough that people would notice. Yeah. Like Palais. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd say like, who is this guy? Philly Billy Werndell, Mighty 1090. You know. <laughs> yeah. And like he wanted to, he just wanted to be that yeah. character. Cause you know, a lot of people in our business are characters on the air. And then off the air, they're not characters. Yeah. I always tell the story about uh, Dickie V, Dick Vital. Yeah. You know, v- Vital call him in his hotel room once. He's scheduled to do an interview. Can you ready to come on? He's like, hey, hey, yeah, how are you doing? Okay. Yeah. Like, like hey, something's wrong with Vital. I don't know. <laughs> Dick, you know, I'm picking up. We're about 30 seconds away. You ready to go? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I put him back on hold. You know, sure enough, you know, I'm telling Dan Patrick, I'm like, something's wrong with Vital. He's not, he's not right. Sure enough, here's Dick Vital. Hey, baby. You know, and like he just knew how to Sold turn it. it on. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of people like that. You know, that's worked for Vital. But Billy, that was him 100% of the yeah. time. Yeah. 100% of the time, that was Philly Billy. He never, ever was somebody different. That was him. When you met him in the airport at 5 a.m., that was him before the show. You know, because a lot of people before the show, they want to save their energy. Yeah. He would peacock around, <laughs> get into fights with people. Yeah, you know, he'd be sitting there yelling about this hitter and, and Richie Ashburn. Richie and, yeah, Ashburn. Yeah, you know, he'd talk go. about uh, who is the manager? Who is his buddy? Who is Gene, the Mock. Man- Gene Mock. Gene, Gene Mock. Gene Mock. Let me tell you why Gene Mock deserved to be in a Hall of Fame. You know, and, and he would be that guy right up until you crack the microphones, you know? Yep. And then yeah. he'd be that guy while you were doing the show. And then he'd be that guy in a commercial break. And then he'd be that guy after the show. And then you'd go to OG's because you'd have a Monday Night Football appearance. And he'd be that guy the whole time. Yeah. And, and you know, that's that was what I always took away. Like, that's who he is. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I turn off the mic. I go home. I sit in the dark. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to talk to anybody. No, I don't do anything. But not him. He just yeah. always had to keep it going. Always had to, to, to you know, call you, yell at you, you say this. Yep. He'd, he'd pick up the phone. He'd call Jim Herrick, another one of Jim his guys. Herrick. And he'd yeah. just, hey, Jim Herrick. And he'd hear him arguing with Jim Herrick about whatever, you know, about you know, something, Will Chamberlain. And, he, you know, that's, that was yeah. what I loved about him. The guy was so passionate. Just, he was so unique, you know what I mean? Like, just, just a total original. Would you please every time. clear up that you did not have him fired? <laughs> no, because I think there are people in town who think you had something Trust to do me. with them leaving. Uh, I was, I did not have anything to do with that. I did not want that to happen. As enticing yeah. as it was when they said, we believe that you're capable of doing a solo show. We're all insecure. Yes. Sure. I didn't know that I could do it. And I had serious reservations that I could. And I thought that, that, you know, it might only be a couple of months before I followed him out the door. You know, I was used to working with somebody. I, I, I'd never done that. I, you know, I had, I had it's major, It's not normal to doubts. sit there and talk to yourself. It's not no. at all. And, you know, it's, it still doesn't feel yeah. normal, you know? I mean, you guys have talked about the stuff with, with Woods. Like, I don't, it's been a while since I've had a partner. Yeah. 
you know, which is what made that idea intriguing. What do you think when he blurted that out in the middle of that crossover with Ben sitting there? Yeah, I was surprised that he said that. Um, (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, I now I wonder what's going to happen to those sessions because you know we we went in there on weekends and did shows. Nobody knew that. We went in and actually put three or four hours on tape. It's like the the Lily White sessions from the Dave Matthews Band. Nice. And you know we we both I think thought that that was going to happen, then it wasn't going to happen. I was surprised he he said it. Um, I would have. I would have been more uncomfortable with it had Marty and Jordan not been in, in the loop. Yeah. But, you know, he also knew that they were in the loop. Because yeah. I, you know, I kept him in the loop the whole time. But, you know, it's, it, it was intriguing because I really enjoyed it. You know, yeah. the thing about yeah. working with, with a partner or working with somebody like Billy is, you know, you, I could kick back and let him do the Warndale Wire. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and I could just chime in here or there. I can take a deep breath. You know, I think that that... You know, that, that serves its per, you know, that's, that's definitely got value instead of having to constantly think about which direction the show is going. But I, I freaking love working with the guy. I really did. Nice guy. A couple of quick, nice bu- guy. couple of quick bullet things. We'll make them real quick. We'll get you the hell out of here. Uh, where are the Padre games in 2019? Padre games next season. 1090. Yeah, I think you're right. I th- I think you're right. And you know, I remember when they left, and I remember what Scott said that day, and it felt to me, um, it was somebody going through a divorce, it felt like the first emotions you've been through it, Dave, I'm glad you haven't been. It felt like the emotions of the early days of, of going through a divorce because that team belongs on that station, and it's nice for that station to have that team. It is a nice relationship, and I, I like where the station is now. Um, and, and I hope they're back there. I really do. As a guy that does not have a horse in the race. You know, that, but, and I assume when you say what Scott was talking about, when he sort of lashed out and when said, he, thank God they're gone. Now our Yeah, he was upset. Up. But I well, feel listen, like, like we, did, we did get substantially damaged by carrying their games. Really? Financially. Well, because they were a bad team at that point. Financially and ratings-wise. Yeah. Like it, you know, yeah. there was no doubt. You would rather be on the air than have a baseball game on the air. Yeah. As enjoyable as it was to go fuck off and play golf. Yeah. Or do whatever you can do in the middle of the day. But th- there were there were serious consequences with carrying those games. Yeah. You know, and they were long. True. And boring. And, uh, and we were that we were unable to... <laughs> I hope I'm not saying too much here, but no, that, right. that we were <laughs> no keep going. No, well, but that, that, that we also were taking a huge financial hit. Like we've lost millions of dollars. Like there was, yeah. I, I think that there was. I think it was the right time for them to go. Like we needed a break from them. They needed a break from us. I don't know if it's. I, I have no insight. I have no insider information. I don't have any idea they're if back they're going to come I back. Too. But yeah. I do think that a little absence has made the heart grow fonder. Both ways, right? I agree with that too. I think, you know, I think the grass isn't always greener if you're them. Yeah. But you I don't, I don't able, know how to, get... to be able to be heard throughout San Diego County. Yeah. 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 And I don't, you know, and, and I don't know how they, I don't know how they'll reconi- reconcile the, the financials of it all. But, you know, I think that, that most of what we said was true. Like we've, we did take a hit ratings wise when they were on, we did take a hit financially because we had a tough time selling the contract. And you know, it, there are more ways to listen to radio, including you know these phones yep. now yeah. with the MLB at bat app. I don't bring a radio to the park anymore when I go out. I just 
pump up whatever I got to pump yeah. up through the app, bad app. And I know that's 20 bucks and it's a little arrogant to just suggest everybody that they listen that way, you know, and, and maybe not everybody has the extra 20 bucks for something that's been free for their entire lives, but I've adapted. You yeah. know, I, I don't, I don't go out and carry a transistor radio around with me anymore. I'm not laughing. If people yeah. still do yeah. that, I just don't do that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there, when we got them, channel four was only showing like a hundred games. Yeah. Um, there was none of this stuff. No. And then when this stuff came around, we also couldn't sell it. You know, MLB yeah. has really strict rules, not to bore everybody with this, but they have very strict rules about what you can and can't sell and that you couldn't sell streaming, that we couldn't carry games on Mighty1090.com. We sort of said, you know, is this really worth it for us? And, you know, not if the team wasn't going to be good. Yeah. So I, I think we all said, go and do your thing. And, yeah. You know, if there's an opportunity to come back somewhere down the road, maybe we'll maybe we'll strike at the right time while you guys are getting good. You know, it's funny. I, yeah. only, I only listen to AM radio through my phone now. I don't. Really? I don't listen at all on the radio. I only listen through through my phone. It's I uh, listen to your guys' app. I listen to through the iHeart app if I want to listen to you know Costa or whatever. But that guy dang Rob Dibble military <laughs> salute commercial they run, yeah. which I was like, I didn't know there was an issue with the military salute. Anyway, it's it, it, the apps are so strange, but I'm be honest, I do listen through yeah. through my phone. I, you know, I'll I'll go I to the gym and listen to your show, Darren, all the time, and I'll just sit there and and have it through the phone all the time. But that's it, it's a way that so many people are now listening to broadcasting. But again, it doesn't show up in ratings. Nope. It, there's no way to figure out how many people are listening where they actually care. That's why the ratings conversation yes, is ridiculous. so skewed now because, you know, I always say ratings and radio, we're, we're going to be like selling newspapers out of one of those, you know, fucking yeah. machines on the side of the road. Like who's going down to the corner with quarters and pumping it in and taking a newspaper out of that? What do they call this? You're right. Newspaper? Just a rack. rack. What is it? Newspaper rack. rack. Yeah. Like yeah. who's doing that? You know, like, and can you imagine if, if, you know, you're in the newspaper business, are you... Is that what your measure of success is? How many newspapers come out of a rack? No kidding. Yeah. Probably not. So now you got to get subscription service. You got to get digital. You got to do all that. You know, everything's just changing. You know, that you get, you guys don't get ratings. Yeah. No. no. But we yeah, know it's weird. You still have people who listen and yeah. you still have sponsors. Yeah. And you know, you're still able to communication, communicate, make money. Like you're able to distribute it. You have a distribution model. So, you know, that, that to me is, is sort of where we're at in radio, which is, you know, why when people bring up rating stuff, you sort of say, eh, okay, that's, you know, that's just a, a fraction of the story now. Yeah. That, that when we're describing what radio is, or, you think we tweet out all these interviews? Why do we tweet those out? Is it like a courtesy? Yeah. You know, you're not getting ratings credit for that if it's more than 24 hours. So, you know, we're live plus what's one, like, yeah. right? TV's live plus three or something. Yeah. And that means if you watch something within three days and you're a, a DVR registered market, there's ratings credit for it. And radio, it's it's live plus one. But we put all that stuff out. Why do we put out video and stuff? We don't get any ratings for that. Like like we're all about digital now, like moving forward. Yep. So that's that's where the game is. But it, that's that's the point about getting the the Padres back. Is you know it's it's got to be a calculated decision. You can't just do it just because you know you feel like. Well, you know, this is, but, but Glickenhaus and Fowler, they're pretty tight. You know, these are two old school San Diego guys. So I'm just taking a guess. And I'm going to shock you with this. This is how we'll end. Uh, yesterday I was at Tower 13 in Cardiff. Uh, not drinking, shockingly. <laughs> but I will tell you what had my attention in Tower 13 
um, was watching the end, and I think you were there, watching the end of the Galaxy LAFC, I hope I pronounced that right, or got the team name right, <laughs> um, game at StubHub. And that guy that came in, that flies in, and <laughs> scores that fucking goal. From midfield. And the place goes goddamn crazy. Tower 13 goes crazy. And I will tell you, Darren, I, I knew you were coming in, but I watched it and I go, having been in that venue for the Chiefs game this year, I go, that is that that was really cool. The Battle of LA to the point that I had it on my DVR and I went back and watched the first goal in that game where the guy like a complete uh, old school Greg Harris curveball from 30 yards out. A, were you there? I was. <laughs> and B, sorry, will MLS make it in San Diego? Uh, by the way, LT lied to us. Yes. That is not right up the road. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is hours of LT and agonizing. Sean Merriman have sold their soul to the devil faster than anybody. God almighty. Like, oh, it's just right up the road. What's yeah. the big deal? And I had been there before, so I had an idea of how far it would be. But, man, that is a brutal, brutal ride. And you know, they think in San Clemente, fucking down to <laughs> three lanes, down to one lane. It was down to one wow. lane in San Clemente. Imagine wow. that. And then on the way home, there was some accident somewhere in Oceanside. So it just, you know, it was hours, an eight-hour yeah. day when all was said and done. I can't imagine. When I do the Charger basis. games, it's a 12-hour day for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's it's just not as, and you probably take the toll road. And so I do, I do the whole yeah. toll road, the whole deal. But it's uh, it, it's funny. As I, said, I went to every single Charger game. I was lucky with traffic, going there and going back. And again, I took a lot of heat too. But I was getting paid uh-huh. by ESPN and by Sirius NFL Radio to do it. It wasn't like I was just doing the whole deal and everyone who was screaming at me all year long, how do you support this team? <laughs> Look, I was getting paid. It was a job to do. As a NFL fan who's always sat at the top in these press boxes, I loved it because I was close. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. I wish they would never go to the new stadium they're building in Inglewood. But when I watched the game yesterday on television, it didn't seem like even the same building. Yeah, no, see, it, I didn't know what to compare it to because I've only watched the Charger games on TV. Oh, my TV. gosh. It was so electric of where you were yesterday. Yeah. And, again, I wasn't there in, in the stadium. But the way it was uh, felt on television was incredible. It was really cool. Yeah, it was. It was great to be there. It was – It was. you all get wrapped up in the moment. Like, I yeah, – it was, it, it was a killer atmosphere. And the place – there was anticipation that this player was going to play. You know, I don't yeah. know that the name Zlatan Ibrahimovic is not a household name. Maybe someday. I doubt it. Soccer is what soccer is in this yeah. country. You know, it, it's it's niche, but it's growing. But there was anticipation that he was going to get in. This was you know L.A. and L.A., so there was that level of anticipation as well. You know, the LAFC fans were the away side, so they had fan, 2,000 fans. 3,000 fans who showed up. Where did these people come from? Yeah, you've had the Galaxy here since 1996. (laughs) All of a sudden, how do they get any fans? Galaxy have been the most successful franchise in Major League Soccer history. How do these people have any fans? But yet they did. And it became a real cultural thing of like, you're in Carson, we're in L.A., and and so on and so forth. But the atmosphere was just, it was great. And then this player comes in, and it was dramatic in that the visitors had a 3 nothing lead, and then here come these four goals, and the final two scored by this guy who didn't even know what time zone it was. He flew, yeah. in, from, <laughs> flew in from Manchester 24, 36 hours before, something like yeah. that. And he was a great player, great player in Europe. You know, Is he over the hill? Is it the retirement league? Everything that you've always heard negative said about Major League Soccer, which a lot of which is true. 
and he comes in, and that first goal, my gosh. Whoa. I mean, you know, the soccer dork on Twitter is like, well, you know, the keeper was a little bit out of place. Stop. No. Stop it. And just enjoy it. Like, that was an, an absolutely incredible uh, to be able to pick his head up. Joe Tatino called it. He said he's going to yeah. be able to evaluate all these different keepers. And, and the energy in the building was just off the charts. It was everybody, no matter who they were pulling for, off the charts. And then he scores the winner. Offsides are now. Who cares? But to your second question, do I – I'm not holding my breath that it's going to happen here. God. Only because – we're just we're so divided, you know. Yeah. This is such a, a wedge issue in the city. Yeah, I think it would kill here, and I've always said that. I, you know, people hear that and say, "Well, it's never going to replace the Chargers." No shit. No. Yeah, no. I didn't. You know, nobody said it's ever going to replace. Just like nobody says MLS is ever going to replace the NFL in this in this country. It's never going to happen. But it's such a divided issue, and there's so much political mudslinging going on yeah. about whether it should be SDSU West or whether it should be Soccer City. I guess this is where I get naive and hope that somehow there could be some compromise. But it's just – it's too divided. And I, I, I'm probably just going to vote for both just because I want to see something happen yeah. there. We can't just sit there and drive past that graveyard yeah. of sports memories for the rest of our lives. I mean, I, I think we can do – I think we can do a lot of things. I really think that we could, you know, what soccer brings to the table is this dude's he's Swedish. This I follow a lot of the European reporters. They were all tweeting about him yesterday. It was so, great. You know, you get on the map for what you do in this country when you have our domestic our leagues. Yeah. You know, um, Eric Cosmer hits a big home run. You know, but you get on the map internationally when you have something like that. And I do think that there's value in that. I do think that making San Diego uh, internationally relevant for sports, it's, it works in Orlando, it's worked in Atlanta, it's working you know, in L.A., which has an international reputation. Portland, Seattle, places like that. I, I do think that there's value in it. I think it would kill here. I really do. I, well, I, mean, I, I think if it was done right, it would work yeah. here, just like anything else. Like the NBA would work here Yeah. yeah. If, if it were done right. You know, if you got uh, the Greek freak, you know, you know, another guy who brings like international prestige to a fucking Milwaukee. Yeah. So, um, but it's just sort of hard to think, you know, that, that, you know, in this town politically that we can get anything done. Can't even decide on a a bike lane. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you you just can't get anything done. And, and, you know, I just think it makes you a little bit. We have one runway at the airport. One. Yeah. You know, what was interesting yesterday talking about that game was right away in one day, all of a sudden you have a rivalry, as you said, between where the hell did your fan base even come from? A bigger rivalry in soccer. Then, and in baseball, and in and the NBA, and in the NHL, all at the USC, UCLA, than you have between the Rams and the Chargers. I mean, in one day, boom, soccer yep. was bigger. Those two teams, either you're a fan of this team or a fan of that team, whereas in L.A. still, you can take or leave it. Either you're a Rams fan or a Charger fan. No one in L.A. is saying, fuck the Chargers. They don't give it the time of day. <laughs> right. They the social media is yeah. going at each other. No, like it's not like that at all. There's a the whole freeway series with the Dodgers, Angels. There are people that really hate the Dodgers or really hate the Angels. <laughs> and it's the same thing at Staples. But immediately in just one damn day, it's like, hey, either but, you're a Galaxy fan or what? Uh, no, I was just going <laughs> to say, Dave. But what a perfect storm. The first goal is within five minutes. Yeah. There's seven goals in a game where it's often one nil. Right. The crowd was crazy from the start. If I'm Big Fox, I'm like, okay, everybody calm down. Yeah. This isn't going to be every game. But you won the lottery in day one. They won the lottery. 
It was great. It was. It it, it was great. It's cool that guys you know who don't normally give a shit about it. You know, yeah, we're at least into that. You I enjoy because that's the way I got. I was not. A, I'm not a no? lifelong soccer fan, but I went once, and I happened to have have been at the right game. Yeah, and and that's where I. And it, listen, a lot of the games are boring as fuck, man. Like every sport, every sport has Padre games have been terribly yeah. boring over the years. Football, NFL games are terribly boring sometimes. SEC games. The, Alabama plays, you know, that title game against yeah. LSU. Come on. So, you know, it, it just happens, but it, it does feel like it gets held to a different standard. Some of these college basketball games, God almighty. Yeah. I mean, it was the worst year ever for them. college basketball. They're scoring yeah. in the 40s. It's like five minutes to go in the second half. So they're not all that way, but at least that one was on television. Tottenham so. Spurs, bud. I was there. That's your guy. Saw it live. Those your guys. Saw them live. They were great. I don't, well. Yeah, I bet you remember, you drug motherfucker. I, I don't. <laughs> I got a scarf. And I walked in, and they gave us uh, – I, I got a Spurs scarf. I was like, I don't need a scarf. I'm fine. They're like, so clueless. Right. I didn't know anything. Elston I'm, I'm would wear it. 17 years old. Yeah, fucking Elston. <laughs> yeah, uh, he rocks so, it always. So I put the scarf on, and we drank Castleman's 4X, which is an Australian beer that we were drinking in London. And they were like uh, – I, I swear it felt like – they were probably the size of these Dasanis that I've been going through. Um. But they felt like they were 80 ounces. And the only thing I just remember is singing, here we go, here we go, here we go. I sang that a lot. Yeah, it's we, fun. I'll tell you this, though. Like, the demographic. Fun. Oh, uh, yeah. That was Young, real. That fun. was. That, I, I'm telling you, man. And then to have the storybook ending like that, like you said, for the young guys, for the new team to get up, and then for the Galaxy to come back, and that crowd, and the guy coming in. I mean, you're like, dude, it's a movie. And you go, come on, this is ridiculous but just watching it in a tower 13 where a bunch of people from michigan had come in getting ready for for loyal chicago and are in and all of a sudden they're just kind of looking at oh it's going oh wow look at this crowd's into it we're watching um it felt like 85 percent of us didn't have a horse in that race but just went crazy and then you're like do you guys think we can get it done no i mean it's just i'm just naturally right not with him not with faulkner um, no, unfortunately, but we're the town that, that, and see, this is the thing and not to bring it all up, but we're the town that voted Mike Aguirre back in. Mike yeah. Aguirre did everything he could to get Prop C stopped. And we saw what Petco Park was and we vote that dink into office. Yeah. So that, that's where we have to look around. Darren, what I've said on this podcast is we have a lot of people that react. We don't have enough people that act. We have a lot of people that are quick to tell you everything we've done wrong and nobody that says this is how we can do it right. And until that element changes in this town, no, it's going to be a long road, unfortunately. Yep. You were fantastic, man. You are fantastic. Really and, appreciate the time. Is that it? Yeah. How weird was it to go two hours without, I'm aware of it. Okay, I've, I'm here every night. <laughs> Guys, holding up the sponsor sheet like I'm going to blow these assholes off. All I wanted to say to Darren was... Uh, you were here for two hours, and not once did you have to say San Diego sports leader. Yeah. So How please, about that? Please make we'll up for that. We'll edit them in after you leave. Let me record them, and we'll put them in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at well, the back I appreciate, like I, I appreciate the invite. I've, uh, you guys know I've always been fans of, of your shows. and I appreciate that a lot. You Actually, guys, you were always cool to us. Every in, time uh, you guys 1090. make me laugh, man. Every, every, every time I would. 
tune into your guys' show, podcast, whatever form. I, I know I'm going to laugh. And that's not something you can say about every show. Uh, and we'll see. Now, listen, everybody calm down. Because I talked on the last one, and I, I, you heard it, I think, where I talked about that there had been, when you and Woods had talked, that Dave and I said, God, you know, but he, I want to emphasize again because it gets out of control. And Darren will back me up on this. It was a conversation that me, Darren, Stevie Woods had one night and a very fun night just talking about, um, you know, different things and everything else. And then Cap got involved in it. Dave got involved in it. But it was really just us as hosts that like each other saying, man, we could we could have some fun and we could mess with 97.3. But, but let me just be really clear. Dave and I... Other than just an email to Glick saying, hey, man, if you're interested, we'd love to talk to you. That, that's as far as it goes. So don't, if, if it happened down the road, it would be a blast. But people are like, whoa, I heard you talking in 1090. No, nobody's, no, I talked to Darren. I talked to Stevie Woods all the time. Cap hits me up on, on Twitter telling me, fuck, you're, <laughs> you're fucking nuts. Um, but that's it. But ultimately, if he could, but I, I but just. What do, you, what do you want me to do with these resumes? <laughs> you can turn them into Mike Lickenhouse. Turn them into my man Norm Foyer tomorrow when you introduce to him what you is. What do you do? He's the guy who sat there with the hoagie with the big piece of lettuce on his shirt for my two-hour lunch. The guy was unbelievable. And by the way, just one other thing that I forgot to say earlier. Dave and I did a Radio Hall of Fame. We were screwing around the San Diego Radio yeah. Hall of Fame. You know, I think when we did it, Dave, we went through about 150 guys you knew you would forget somebody. I think we forgot Philly Billy. He oh, absolutely Philly Billy. Billy would absolutely be a first ballot SD radio on the air, off the air, Hall yeah. of Fame guy. I mean, I'm not talking I'm talking about him like he's dead. He's not dead. He's he's still hanging out. Would you does he ever have any reason to show up on your show? Does Dan Patrick have any reason to show up on your show? Well, we never uh, Bill well, we've never had the Patrick show. So yeah. I don't know that he does a lot for non-affiliates. Oh, okay. I never asked. Yeah. yeah I never really thought to ask. When's the last time we talked to him? Uh, I saw him at the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah, a couple of years back and, you know, shot the breeze with him for a little bit. And, Good hey, how dude. How you doing? Yeah, you know, I always appreciate it because yeah, I, I, I get hit up a lot on Twitter when people say, oh, he just, you know, he mentioned you. You know, he talked about, you know, you and, and – uh, your time when you were his producer and this and that and the other thing. I say, without fail, they, they bring that up. So I always appreciate that when they do. But uh, it, it's been a while. As for Billy, you know, it, um, you know Billy had a, a legal situation. Oh. You know, like Billy sued the radio station oh, when he got fired. And uh, ended up, I think, winning, you know, and, and got back on our station for a little while, mostly like in guest spots. Never like, like it was with Scott and Billy Ray. Yeah. But, um, you know, some of the stuff, you know, th there were things like Billy and I talked about off the air that that got brought up in, in the court oh, case. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's bad blood when the when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I texted him and said, hey, congratulations. Yeah. Don't get arrested tonight for running, <laughs> yeah. running naked down Broad Street. Yeah. One of the, uh, climbing one of those poles. You the see Billy right. doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me that's not him. Tell me that you wouldn't yeah. picture Billy, you know, mugshot, pale white skin, hair oh, going. Oh, my God. But, um, you know, he's he's... I think he's done stuff over at 1360. It's uh, been a while, you know, I mean, just to check in here or there and say hello. But, you know, I felt like that whole situation, you know, it, it, it shouldn't have put a, a 
any distance between us, it just sort of did. Yeah. You know, because uh, you got to remember who writes your checks, right? You go, you go, yeah, man. Well, I was happy to say everything that I said. I, you know, I, I'm glad that, that if I was able to, you know, cause I didn't, I wouldn't want them trying to get out from my contract. Yeah. The way they tried to get out from Billy's. So I'm, I was glad that I was able to contribute in, in a way that got him back and got yeah. him paid, got him the money that he was deserved. But yeah, there was just some some stuff where it was like, you know, you told him on such and such a date, and you're like, oh, oh, Jesus. oh okay, you know. And again, yeah. who's to say I wouldn't do the same thing if I were in his shoes? But there's no hard feelings at all. I I I can't thank the guy enough for what he did. I rode his coattails for the first couple of years. Nobody knew who the fuck I was. You know, I I rode Philly Billy's coattails forever, and um, I you know, he he made me you know whatever success i have today is is due in part to billy so uh, there's no hard feelings at all it just right afterwards it just was a little you know and well, then coming moved. down on an off night yeah where, where are we yeah you're in east lake you'll be home by you'll be home by was 4 i supposed to take a toll here yeah, you can it's a little bit faster to take the toll it's only, it should be a 20 minute drive from where is that right it'll be all right but shit on an off night darren's so right like people would call you right when you get off the air and they're like, hey, I want to talk. And you're like, the last thing I want to do is talk to anybody. But that also applies on Saturday and Sunday to come down and do a couple hours just hanging out bullshit. Longest podcast podcasts. we've ever done. How long ago? Two, uh, two and a half hours. No, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. God damn, it was Can great. Can I just team. run this on Monday? Yeah, run the whole thing. <laughs> Shit. It, but you know what's funny about that, Darren, is to sit here and think, um, we'll wrap it up. But you'd be like, Tomorrow, with commercials and traffic and everything else, you go, yeah, we're, I'm ready to go. I'm done. And you sit in here every night. You go, God, that went about 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Good shit, fun. brother. That was fun. Welcome thank anytime. Absolutely. It. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, I also want to thank the people that helped sponsor this podcast. Keep it going. Brian Curry, of course, is your guy to call if you're selling. Uh, in the, right now, you're selling your house. You're looking to buy a brand new house. He's been in the market more than 20 years. Brian Curry is your guy, certified negotiation specialist. He will get you the best deal on your house, also for your new house as well. Real estate all over San Diego County. No one else to call but Brian Curry, 619-251-1588. Well, I always tell you, the two places you don't want to go are City Heights and IB because they're shitholes. <laughs> yes. But I'll tell you, the one place, if you're lucky enough to own in North Park, God damn, is that the crown That's jewel? That's the place the new- to go. Forget Coronado. North Park is what's known as the crown jewel. I will say this. I, I hung in North Park 20 years ago. You would get in and you would get out. We talked about it with the radio and records, get in and get out. Yeah. Now you go down in that neighborhood, right around with Lucha Libre is yeah. in there, right? Everything's yeah. in there. Can I talk to her in this? Of course, of course When can. I moved to North Park, people go, North Park? Are you crazy? I blow yeah. the red lights when I drive through That's North Park. That's why I mentioned it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't even stop for red lights there. But Can I just slow down? It's become a hot right place in San Diego. But- I won't. I know where you are. I won't give away too much. But Darren, on a on a on a Tuesday night or on a Saturday morning, how nice that you and your wife can go down. And if you want to go and get any food, if you want to go get a beer, mm-hmm. whatever you want on the menu, uh, a breakfast place, a coffee place, you can go and you're safe. North Park is. I, I love. How cool it has become down there. That's yeah. why. Especially with all the neon bicycles now. <laughs> I, every five feet, there's one of them. God damn, man. I tell you, I like to think I'm in, in touch with what's going on in San Diego. I have no idea that whole, like, I see them. I don't know where they come from. They feel like it's 
like just like Richard Dreyfus dropped him out yeah, of the spaceship the of ninety year old reference right there. But um, but anyways, getting back to the point, Curry is going to help me move into La Mesa. But no joke, if I was not going into La Mesa, North Park would be on my area. I love the cottage houses. When you go down 30th, when you when you go south, cross over Union, just walk for a couple blocks and you go. And you may see uh, a couple in their 40s or a couple in their 70s chilling out on a bench, just having a cup of coffee, hanging out. You go, God damn, man, that's the way you live life. Yeah, I'm moving to North Park. Shit, I may go right now. And Brian Curry could get to North Park, 619-251-1588. Once you get there, you got to call the people of Barkley Landscape. i got to call Ryan Barkley. He moved into the Otay Rancher this weekend. Yeah. All of a sudden, I realized my front yard's having some problems. I think it's the damn rabbits. And it's, yeah. it's the rabbits are killing well, my grass. Not today. Leave them alone on Easter I'll be Sunday. Calling, I'll be calling them tomorrow. Tomorrow because, they're done. Because, yeah, I'm sitting there going, what the hell is happening to my front lawn? Remember that movie, uh, The Rookie, the, the baseball yeah. movie? Mm-hmm. And the, the grass was dying because of the fucking rabbits? God I told it. my kids, you think something you get your hair cut, you bring that hair to me, we're going to dump it on the front lawn. Keep those rabbits out of here. Bunch of dead <laughs> rabbits. Worked in the fucking movie it's right great. there. But I will Peter be Peter will not be sponsoring us, <laughs> our next podcast. <laughs> You got to call Ryan again. Ryan's number 619-669-8000. 619-669-8000. Ryan can do whatever you want. This time of year, he will get your yard ready. Make sure the front, back, everything looks absolutely fantastic. Funny, I was out with a friend of ours yesterday talking about uh, the yard needs to get cleaned up, yep. the backyard. I'm like, do you even listen? Do you even know I do a goddamn <laughs> podcast? I said, oh, I knew you were doing something. I'm like, well, yeah, but that's drugs. That's Lexapro. <laughs> But when I'm not doing that, we're talking about Barkley landscaping. God damn it, I told her. If I, if I can't get in his Don on the phone, they do it to me every time. Now, call Ryan Barkley. Have him come on. I will say this, and I bet Darren will agree with me on this. When you pull into this cul-de-sac, Dave, you should go by and congratulate your neighbors. I didn't see any neighbors. Like, Darren, I'm sure you see it. I see it in La Mesa all the time. There's always that one dickhead yeah. that the yard just looks terrible, right? Mm-hmm. He's the guy at Halloween that's got his lights shut down when everybody else is soaking <laughs> up the kids. But Dave, I'll say this. As you go through here, it's pretty cool. They take care of it. They do a good job. Absolutely. Rabbits, too. I saw, the, I saw the rabbits when Did I was Did you see the rabbits? They're all over the place. God, God damn it. Damn it. Saw Tell the rabbits. Me. What's yeah. that dog of yours doing? <laughs> Nothing. Drinking afraid of rabbits. Water. Afraid of rabbits. Just drinking water. Shadow. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Trying to figure out if you're yeah. going in or out. Yeah, she just walks out. Small rabbits were here. You I'm can tell she's in the yard. Here. Yeah, she runs. Bad dog. All right. <laughs> Happy Plumbing, next place to go right there. The guys oh, at Happy Plumbing, Blake and Travis, absolutely fantastic. Happyplumbing.com, easiest way to get a hold of them if you want to call them because you will need them down the line. 619 433 4943. Don't forget they have a special $99 drain cleaning. Any drain, $99. Now, this son of a gun to my left, this guy has it pegged. I heard you say this the other day on this show, and this made me laugh. Okay, how many TVs are in your main room? You have you have three TVs. Three, in. yeah. I like you it. Got three. Okay, that's when you go, this son of a gun's got the, the game figured yeah. out. But then I heard you say the other day on your show that you and your wife each have your own bathroom. We do. Oh, that's a good move, yeah. too. That's oh. a good move. Believe me, I'm listening here because she's, yeah. she's clogged up her drain. Not a See? toilet, yeah. drain, hair, yeah. shower. Gone. Blake happens will come almost every girl. Yep. Yep. And he's going to hear it, and he's going to come by, and we'll tell him to look. Because how long you been in your place? About six years. Okay. Now, timing-wise, were you the first guy in? Or was there somebody no. who could have been in that unit? The house? 
No, 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 no. Yeah. Not in North Park. Yeah. No, somebody was in the unit before we were. Before yeah. you were there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have them come in. Because I said it, when I get established back in La Mesa, first thing I told him was, dude, come in. Because with my luck. George the Animal Steel Lipper. George the Ron Jeremy and George Steel were roommates. <laughs> and my drains are going to look brutal. But so I just heard this story the other day. A friend of mine lives on, in Mission Hills. And uh, I drove to pick him up because he was coming up to Carson with us. Yeah. And there's the bottom of the street. It says closed to through traffic. The street's closed. So, you know, well, you got to go pick the guy up. Yeah. And there's a house down at the, the bottom of the hill. He lives like at the bottom of a U. Ugh. And um, I guess this house was built... And the sewer from the house was never connected to the city pipe. Oh, God. So for Jesus. 10 or 12 or 15 years or however long it's been, every time these people flush their toilet, it just went into the dirt, just went into the oh, earth in San Diego because the sewer that from the house was never connected to the city Holy sewer. Cow. So imagine 15 yeah. years of shit just... Yeah. Runs and meet the parents. That's our shit, oh fucker. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> this is a real yeah. life house of that, and the whole thing's blocked off, and they got to whole dig the oh, whole thing up, and god. they got to connect the sewer from the house after twenty years to Jeez. the actual pipe. That's where you go. Okay, I will never complain about another day in the office. You, you guys that go down and fix that problem, God bless you, man. God bless you. And you should all be able to punch the guy who started that right in the nuts. Punch that guy right in the nuts. Uh, yeah, we'll get you hooked up with Blake. He'll come by and get it all cleaned up. A uh, couple other things to mention. Thank you to Happy Plumbing. Tomorrow night's going to be great. Uh, hopefully, we will not keep that poor son of a bitch here as long as we kept Darren here tonight. Brett Boone back tomorrow. Yep. We'll talk to Brett Boone tomorrow night about, hey, we have two questions for him. What's it like watching your younger brother now manage the Yankees, which is cool, and also as a guy with money, what's the dumbest thing you've ever been asked to invest money in? Because <laughs> Boach has some good answers to that. But we'll ask Brett Boone tomorrow. And then a week from tonight, uh, I don't know if you're around. You don't even have to do anything. Just show up and get free dinner. We'll feed you. We'll be at Cali Comfort. We'll be at Cali Comfort for the first live podcast God bless two guys today. Miserable San Diego fan and drunk Flannery who thought this idea of ripping down the Big Sills banner in Little Italy was all a ploy. I, I promise you it wasn't. They, there were five guys that were hitting me up on social media Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday trying to find the Big Sills banners. It was not bullshit from us. We wanted them down in our effort to clean up Little Italy. Please come out. Um... We found out today that WrestleMania starts at 4. It's going to be a five-hour broadcast. God damn. I, I guess wow. it's the Super Bowl, right? We're going to go live at about 6 o'clock. Now, it won't be live on Dave and Jeff, but if you want to come out to Cali Comfort, we would love to have Please. you. Please. Come out. Be part of the live podcast. We can't wait to see you. Darren, if, if, if Leah's back, if you're back, come out. We'll buy you dinner. Just hang out. Anybody, and this is what I was asked yesterday. Hey, if I work at a local radio station, can I come? God damn, anybody nice enough to listen to this thing? You're welcome. Anybody who listens. <laughs> shit, Kevin Klein probably needs a hug. We'll beat the shit out of you. Uh, yeah. Bring, bring your poodle and your bottle of champagne. Too. Oh, and your San Diego Zoo balloon. Which guy was he on uh, How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> Wasn't he that guy? Every time I look at that guy, I'm like, isn't he from How I Met Your Mother? But uh, next Sunday, if you want to be at the WrestleMania, that starts at 4 
for our friend Stevie Woods, who gets up early and is already committed to coming out. We're going to fire the mics on about 6. We'll probably, hopefully, finish around 7.15, 7.30, which will be right about the time Ronda Rousey comes out, which should be a lot of Perfect. fun. But please, come on out to Cali Comfort. It's going to be a, a fantastic night. Our way to thank you. Hang out, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, Darren will come out. We can just hang and have some fun with a bunch of friends. But please, check out Darren tomorrow at noon. I can't, I can't tell you how much it means because we've been there. When you got to go in tomorrow and do a three-hour show, you're, I'm sure, doing something tonight prepping, but instead dicking around with us. It was a blast, brother. Nothing Thank but you so much. success. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Don't give me that look that let me down easy smile Don't act like I couldn't see you coming for a hundred miles Don't try to find a perfect words, can't take the pain out of the hurt Hit me hard, baby, I can take it It's your move, go on and make it Make it burn Shoot me straight I got some friends who love to go away somehow A couple old things to help my pity you feel well There's plenty of time for alcohol From happy hour to last call So do what you gotta do So I can get to get over you and make it burn Shoot me straight Don't give me that salt, shake your red lime Don't give me that comeback chaser this time Don't muddle it up, don't water it down Give me everything you got right here, right now Make it burn Shoot me straight